everybody. Welcome to another great Let's Talk Sports show. I am your host, of course, Bodkins. It is Monday. Uh, we got the College World Series uh, happening on right now. Uh, plus, uh, I don't even know. We got a lot to talk about. Uh, we got some great guests. It's uh, Jim and John night. You guys know uh, every Monday we'll be joined later on by Jim Berenger and uh, Jonathan Grishman. Jim Berenger might have had a weekend and a week that uh, – we all need to sit down and just go play by play with uh, of what happened and what's to happen with uh, Jim Berenger. So I'm excited to talk to him tonight. Uh, excited to talk to you know a guy who missed yesterday's show, but back tonight. Uh, none other than uh, Mister First Down, Sam. What is up, my friend? If you want to be my lover, you got to get with my Nick. Oh well, I mean, my <laughs> wife wouldn't like that too much, so uh, you know. She, as she always says, uh, those girls can catch these hands. So is what she is always saying. <laughs> also, as always, uh, joined us uh, another than super producer, uh, Mr. Buffoon himself, Tanner Dawson. What's up, everybody? Layout King. Layout. Tanner, what is up? And then not, but nothing but least, coming for live from Dansbury Nursing Home, Mr. Gambler himself, Scott Cove. What's up, gentlemen? Take what me to right age. Go Tigers. Go Tigers. <laughs> I'm on the Tigers. Are, Go the Tigers. Tigers are, the Tigers are killing it right now, Scott. Uh, let's uh, recap yesterday uh, on your bets here. You uh, do we had the we had the over and the Reds uh, the Reds money line and uh, Phillies money line, right? Reds minus uh, Reds plus one and a half. I had run line. It nailed it, right? Nailed it. Nailed the the team the over Braves and Reds. And I think I picked the Phillies too, and they they won seven six. So it was a good day. It was a good day. Tonight, so what, tonight I had think? LSU. I, All right. I put a unit on LSU. I put a half a unit on the Tigers team total over three and a half. That's mm-hmm. hit. Uh, LSU's up ten to two right now. Um, and the final one I put was Spencer Steer, who plays for the Reds, over one and a half hits, runs, RBIs. And he has a hit and an RBI. So as long as this game doesn't get postponed, because it's a rain delay right now, that's a hit as well. So that's the three bets that I put. So. If that game's rain delay, though, that doesn't carry over? No, because they, they cancel out all the stats and everything else. So they, they'll restart the game all it's over. It's just a void. Yeah. yeah, it's just a no, void. Bitches. Well, I'll, get my, I'll get my bet money back, but I won't get the winnings that go gotcha. with it. Gotcha. Well, hopefully that game uh, resumes. And who are we yeah. looking at betting on tomorrow night? Uh, Minnesota team total under three and a half. They're at Atlanta. They have problems offensively. They're losing two to one right now. Um, so I think Minnesota is going to go under the team total. The Braves money line, obviously, with that, and Texas money line too, especially if they lose tonight. So hey, hit that, hit that under. No runs in the first inning. For that yep. Minnesota Atlanta once Absolutely. again they hit it tonight they'll hit it tomorrow night as well. Yep. Can we give Scott his own like uh, language like he's like I'm, I'm three chowders over. <laughs> I, got, I got him at three chowders. It was the chowders or main lobsters? Which one? Do you yeah. Have? Like, uh, lobsters to the big lobster. bet, right? Lobsters to the big bet and the chowders to small, small, small right. bet. Yeah, know? that's what I yeah. want. And, and the reason Tanner, you give us little graphics too. I give it three chowders. And the other thing is the reason you pick LSU was the reason you should have picked the Rockies yesterday, which I didn't do. They got smoked. They're going to come back. 
They haven't pitched their best pitcher yet, which is Skeens, who could be the number one draft pick for Pittsburgh. And they're up 10 to 2. So any problems they have, Skeens is coming in the game to to quell that. So and we'll talk, we'll talk with a little bit about Jonathan with Jonathan, obviously a yeah. uh, big Tiger yeah. fan. So I'm sure he'll be in a good mood uh tonight when he gets on, unless something crazy happens there. But uh, I mean, they are talking the three best players in this in the upcoming drafts are playing tonight. That's amazing. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Florida offensively is is pretty good. That you know they're, they're struggling tonight, obviously. But LSU is a is a well rounded team. As I watched the first four innings of the game before we jumped on, um, they're very well rounded up and down their lineup. They're really good. Um, they're pitching. They're pitching a closer as a starter tonight. The closer, and then they got their their all world Paul Skeens in the bullpen ready to come out, like, you know, if you remember Pedro back in the day with the Red Sox came out and pitched six innings against Cleveland when they needed him to clinch a game, and Chris Sale did it in the 2018 World Series. So any stud starter that can't pitch usually comes out of the pen and finishes game. So, I mean, LSU's got it all, I think. Well, we got out here right now the Tim Keen Show. What's good, fellas? What's Have a good Tim? show. Appreciate you, Tim Keen Show. My liege. Yeah, Tim, stick around. I know he's Tim's a big wrestling guy. We're gonna be talking a little bit of wrestling Ooh. with uh you know Jim Berger, who is boots on the ground at uh AEW collision and boots on the ground uh last night for uh at Forbidden Door. So uh he had quite the weekend and he's actually somehow headed to uh see uh Sam. Uh, in Nashville to, for the NHL draft. So, I mean, avoid um, Sam. Yeah, he, can, he messaged me just so you know. I'll share it. I'll share it just to spite you. Uh, Sam, Sam, I got I got something to do with the draft. I'm sorry, I gotta go. See, oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, really? Because oh, the message is, hey, oh, if you see, freaking new, really? Because I'm outside your hotel room. If you uh, see me, act like you don't know me because I don't yeah. want to be known where people are. <laughs> just but on Facebook Live. But but before we talked to him, that Forbidden Door event was awesome last night. It was, that was good. really good. It was yeah. awesome. I enjoyed it immensely last night. I haven't so. finished watching it yet, but it, it's it's pretty good. It, it was incredible, and I don't want to – I want to wait till we get Jim yeah. on. He's going to be yeah. calling Tanner before we kind of break that down. But uh, it, it was incredible, I thought, from opening to end. Um uh, I mean, Tanner. I know you're not a huge wrestling fan, and we're you're getting. I didn't get a chance to watch. Like, I literally didn't get a chance to review any of it. I saw some of the highlights Jim posted because if you don't follow Jim at Jim Berenger, you're not going to see anything. Yeah, you don't follow it very closely like these guys. If you, if awesome, even if you're not, if even if you're like as a grown man, you're not a wrestling fan. Go just watch the Okada. Or not the Okada, but the Omega and Osprey fight. Absolutely, that that match alone that'll get your 12 year old, 10 year old self. Back into wrestling. It's why yeah. you loved wrestling as a kid was that match right there. I, I feel like like that's the type of match where you're like, oh, man, uh, I'm, I'm like a 10-year-old kid here again mm-hmm. watching that match. So is AEW, like, I, we can ask Jim too, but is AEW mm-hmm. really taking over this wrestling scene officially? Like, WWE is now on the back burner? No, no, no. no. Not, not according yeah. to ratings, they're not, no. So a, I, I've always said this, WWE is a different type of, it's two different type of products, uh, a little bit. That's true. WWE is the entertainment, the storylines. Oh, is He's that Jim? in. He's in, uh, Jim. Can you oh, hear us? Jim. Wait. Nick, finish the thought. Wait, Jim, can you hear us? <laughs> yeah, can you hear me? Yeah. Yeah, we hear you, Jim. Yeah. Hey, let me give you a good, hey, Jim, 
before you start, let me give you the proper introduction. I just said the man who might be the most interesting person in the world right now, man who was boots on the ground for TNT collision, boots on the ground for Forbidden Door, and now he's on the driving from Canada all the way to Nashville, Tennessee for the NHL draft. Give it up for our very own Jim Berenger, baby. Yeah. What's up, boys? Yeah, thank you for that introduction. Uh, it's been a long, long day of traveling. I am on the road. Uh, thank you for doing this for me. I did not want to miss my Monday spot with you gentlemen. Jim, I don't know where to. I don't know where to begin. I don't know if I just want to. You should start play by play, minute for minute, uh, from Friday. From Friday when you got to Canada and saw collision Saturday all the way to last night. But my first uh, question is actually, uh, you posted a picture with Tony Schiavone. Uh, did you tell him, hey, Tony, make sure you check out the Let's Talk Sports show. That's the best damn show going on YouTube, especially on Monday nights when you're on there. Yo, I said, Tony, cut the shit. You need to listen to Let's Talk Sports <laughs> on Monday night. <laughs> and did he listen and he's tuning in right now so tony if you're uh if you're watching us uh just dm one of us we'll get you on the show that's it yo tony watch the show you know what's up no let me tell you something so i flew in saturday to canada for and i wasn't sure if i was going to go to collision but i did best experience what a show sitting ringside uh just unbelievable start to finish just a great show great atmosphere uh you know canadian wrestling fans let me tell you something whether you're hot or not they're gonna let you know and they let cm punk know that he's not welcome in canada at any time <laughs> it was it, it came across i was good that was gonna be my question was so saturday night or last night i could hear the booze uh for cm punk mainly how was the reaction on Saturday? Because it seemed a little mixed bag-ish. Yeah, Saturday was more 50-50 for CM Punk than it was uh, Sunday. Sunday was about 80-20. Uh, and the building, you know, the building was better on Sunday, obviously, because of the pay-per-view. Still pretty packed Saturday night, but the pay-per-view sold out building. And let me tell you something, 80-20 against CM Punk, and he loved every minute of it. He played the heel role so well in Canada, uh, similar to Will Ospreay. These guys just ate it up. And, you know, like we say, like Bret Hart, when he went to America, he, he ate it up. Man, CM Punk in Canada, the biggest, one of the biggest heels, and he loved every minute of it. Jim, talk about the atmosphere in the building before Sunday's pay-per-view. And before Forbidden Door, and what was it like in there before the, the matches started? Yeah, the building was awesome. I mean, let me tell you something. The minute I got in the building, people were going nuts. They were going crazy. Uh, they were just ready for this pay-per-view. You know, I, I always experienced uh, Canadian wrestling fans on, like, TV. I never yeah. was a part of it, and I'm so glad I was. Because these guys were hot from the beginning, even for the pre-show, like zero hour, they were ready to rock and roll. They were just ready for their show. Uh, it was nonstop, like four plus, like five plus hours if you count zero hour of wrestling. And man, these guys were hot. I mean, they did not quit. 
uh, all night. I think, though, I will say, I think we got worn out by that 40-minute epic by Osprey and Omega because the Danielson match, though it was hot, the crowd was there, they were drained because Omega and Osprey just took everybody out for what they did and what they accomplished. Yeah, I I, th- I I think Jim, is that your match of the night? Because that to me might be the match of the century. Absolutely. Uh, I, I know you've talked about them doing it a third time, uh, and, and you've mentioned that even last Monday. You said, "Hey, I think Osprey's going to win on set on Sunday, and then they'll do a, do a third one at all." And how do you top that one? Because the second that second that match last night. 45 minutes on the edge of your seat. I thought that match was going to end at least 10 times. Um, I kind of was thinking that Osprey was going to win because that was the intel given to me by you. Uh, But, I mean, by God, that match, I thought five times Kenny was dead. I thought five times Osprey was dead, and it just kept going. Yeah, I mean, like you heard, like, Justin Roberts call out, like, the time limit, and you're like, oh, maybe they'll go to a draw, but then, like, the combinations, the sequences, uh, the spots they pulled off, like especially at the end, with like the way Osprey won the match, like I thought they were gonna, it was gonna end here. I thought it was gonna end there. I mean, the, the counts, the finishes, the fact that the crowd—I thought the building was gonna explode and the roof was gonna come off when Kenny Omega kicked out at one when Osprey yes. was one winged angel. Yeah. Like the building yes. was rocking. Yes, it was, it was awesome. And, you know, I cannot believe, like, the way they put that match together. I thought the Wrestle Kingdom match was awesome. I was like, oh, how are they going to top this one? Oh, they did. Oh, they did. Plenty. And the fact that they want to set, they're going to settle it again, unbelievable. I mean, Osprey even indicated after the show that, he, you know, they could settle it anytime they want. You got a feeling it's going to be at Wembley. I mean, why not finish it at all in? Yeah, the, the thing I said to Nick today, is that Brian Danielson for me is the number one wrestler in my in my book. You know, not by far, but he's the number one wrestler. Is Omega and Osprey two and three for you in terms of what they did last night? And Don Callis being involved at the end was a perfect thing, and Omega just kept kicking out and kicking out before Osprey finally got him. So what do you think? Yeah, I mean, I would put Danielson up there as number one. I definitely put Omega Osprey up there as well. I mean those guys, the fact that you had all those guys, and throw Okada in there is like probably four of the best wrestlers in the world right now. The fact that you got those guys in a double main event, uh, and to me, like, I know Danielson and Okada went on the main event slot. Personally, I thought the main event was Okada, I uh, was uh, Omega Osprey for the title, yeah. because, yep. like, that was what everybody was hyped about. And, but so you have the four best wrestlers potentially in the world right now. Danielson, what he does, you know, it sucks that he's, you know, it, he's got a broken arm six to eight weeks. He'll be yeah. out. But yeah. the match with Okada was unbelievable. Like, Osprey and Omega, these guys continue to show that these guys can wrestle at a high level, especially Omega in these single spots. Like, there's a reason why Kenny Omega is called the best bout machine in the world. And he proved it again last night. Osprey, the aerial assassin. Like, these guys, I mean, what they did in that match. Oh, and what Okada and... um Danielson did just ridiculous like just yeah. the athleticism and the fact that what they did and the and the, the length of these matches just shows that if you want to put together a pure pro wrestling show you can do it and New Japan and AEW put together probably one of the best shows of the of the year 
Yeah, I think I think you're 100 right, Jim. And that crowd was on fire. I, I want to say it's, we we they've been touting Omega since he came into AEW uh, about like him being the bout machine. I didn't. I have not really seen that until last night. To me, I thought that was the best Omega we have seen in AEW. Yeah, I would agree with that. I mean, unfortunately, the year he had the title, he had a lot of injuries when he was coming into the company. So, like, it limited him what he could do in the ring. Um, obviously, he had, like, the tag stint with uh, Hangman Adam Page early on. But that was the Kenny Omega I remember from New Japan. That's the Kenny Omega that was hyped coming into AEW. This was the Kenny Omega that if you pick, ask me one guy that could go all out with anybody in the world, that's the Kenny Omega I saw Sunday night. And it was just unbelievable what he did in that ring, the punishment he took, the punishment he delivered. I mean, considering Will Ospreay's neck injuries and head injuries over the years, that DDT on the stairs, the V-triggers outside to the barricade. I mean, I, I have no words for that match. To me, match of the year. Match of the year, hands down. I, I love what I love what Tony Khan did with Daniel Bryan's entrance. The, the final countdown was the last entrance he had in Ring of Honor all those years ago. That was the song that got played. And last night he brought it back. So Tony Khan is a wrestling historian, and he know. And Daniel Bryan said after the thing, he didn't even know that that was going to get played until the last minute. So that that to me shouts out that Tony Khan knows his history of wrestling, and it was phenomenal. He, he Daniel Bryan loved it. He said, "Yeah, I mean, look, he even said it post match um, that he just wanted to hear it. He wanted to be selfish. He wanted to hear Final Countdown again, and the, the crowd went nuts when." Uh, final countdown was played uh though it is a one-off because of it's really expensive even tony khan yeah. said it in a post yeah. show he's like it costs as much as a wrestler's contract cool. so that was a one-off cool. and i'm glad they did it for forbidden door against okada just to yeah. go back to his roots. yeah right. it was well, outside of the okada and danielson and the osprey and omega match what was your favorite match or our surprise match that uh, you really liked. I gotta say, I really liked the four-way match between Orange Cassidy, Zack Saber Jr., Shibata, and Daniel Garcia. I really enjoyed that match. Like, it, yeah, there was comedic spots at times, but all four guys put on such a great show and put on a great like work in the ring that you know I could watch that match over and over again. I mean, the opener was good. Tanahashi, MJF. You know what you're going to get. Even the 10-man tag was great because, um, you know, everybody got their spots. Everybody was made to look good. There was not a bad match on the card. Like, there really wasn't. Like, they booked it so perfectly that they knew where to bring the crowd down, bring it back up. Yeah, the – the Jericho Sting, uh, that was the definition of a cool-down match if I ever saw one. Yeah, it was. Yeah, well, oh yeah, that spot before main event, absolutely. It was still a good match. Don't get it wrong. They like, had, yeah, they everybody down. 
they were in the worst spot manageable, right? Like, how do you even Daniel said I didn't want to follow Omega and uh Osprey. Like he they didn't he's like, I didn't even want to follow that. So like imagine like you know, you had the names there, Jericho and Sting, but then it's just like you're sandwiched in maybe two of the best matches, like you just said, four of the best wrestlers in the world right now are are in between their two matches. Like it's just it's it's insane that that was kind of just a shit spot for them, but uh, I mean, you know, two guys are going to handle it professionally, Sting and Jericho. Uh, what was your thoughts on, uh, before we get off of Forbidden Door, what was your thoughts on Jungle Boy turning heel? I kind of figured it was coming. Uh, you know, you, you knew it was coming when it was coming. Um, he, he wants to win a championship so badly, but, like, Sonata didn't really take him seriously. He might have gained some respect from Sonata, but the fact that he lost again, and then Hook's there, and Hook's cheering him on, and he just turns heel on him. And, look, I think that's a good direction because, look, we need to see a different side of Jungle Boy, man. He's always coming up short, and he needs to, you know, we need to see a better side of him. Maybe I, he can finally win the big one. I would have liked to see him do more than just, like, hit him in the back. Like, he could have threw, you know, Hook off the stage. And then when Taz left the um, the the broadcast booth, I thought for sure they were going to flashback and you were going to see Jungle Boy beating up Taz. Like, I just felt like you could have done – like, you got the small heel turn, but, like, make it vicious heel turn. Yeah. You know, make it yeah. – like, you know, like, we're not – I didn't really walk away from that. Like, oh, my gosh, I hate Jungle Boy now. Like, it was just like, ah, eh, Jungle Boy just hit Hook in the back of the head. Like, there was no chair shot. There was no – you know, like beat down. And then I, I would have liked to see him beat down Taz, like hit him, hit Taz upside the head with a chair or something, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, look, they'll probably do more on dynamite. That's why Sting and, and Darby and Jericho and Guevara have that Texas tornado tag on dynamite this week. Just because yeah. like you said, they were in the worst possible spot. Now you can spotlight it a little bit more. Uh, Maybe they'll do a little bit more. Like, I really didn't hear. I don't know what the commentary was because they didn't have it um, in the arena when Taz was talking. He looked upset and he looked pissed. And he looked, and he, it felt like he was, he was probably saying that, look, you don't want to piss off Hook and you don't want to get on his bad side because he can, Hook can mess you up big time. Yeah, that's pretty much what he said on air, yeah. <laughs> okay, so all right. So I, could, I read looked pretty good then. So, <laughs> yeah. yeah. so thinking. smart, Jim. You're so smart. <laughs> Jim, let, let's let's talk about NHL for a minute. Wait, 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 wait. Before oh. we go into NHL. Okay. Uh, Ashton Booker uh once says that they really need to get Adam Cole a championship. Uh maybe the international championship just give him more juice. What's your thoughts on that, Jim? Well, I mean, look, it's unfortunate that Adam Cole was sick. He was supposed to be on the card, uh, but he didn't get to Canada because he was sick. Uh, so hopefully, yeah, I agree. I think Cole's going to get a title. I just don't know what title it's going to be. I mean, that would be, I like the idea of him taking it off Orange Cassidy because it's a nice transition because then Cole can have another long reign with the championship. Uh, but it'll be interesting to see, uh, what they do going forward. I mean, continuously, eventually Orange Cassidy is going to lose that title. He just continues to find ways to win. Uh, which makes it really good right now. So I don't know if you can have him lose yet because the way they built it, it's so good. So when they, he finally does lose, it's going to be like, whoa, he lost the title. He couldn't 
finally have one more escape. But, yeah, I agree. I like whole international championships because I just don't see him beating MJF for the world title. Not yet. Gotcha. Do uh, I got one more question for you, wrestling, before we move into the, to the NHR world. Uh, so I asked the guys before you hopped on, before you called, about AEW overtaking WWE. I'm going to rephrase it here for you. How long till AEW overtakes WWE in the ratings world? I mean, here's the thing for me: the ratings war between these two companies, there's it's non-existent to me because they're on different nights, right? Like That's Rampage fair. is just Rampage, and you know they're not. It, there was a ratings war with NXT and, and AEW, but that was a reactionary move for AEW coming in, and we saw what happened. AEW just their ass like every week except if it was a loaded card on nxt's part they kicked their butt um but there's really no ratings war it's like to me aw you like it you can watch it you know what if it's wwe you want to watch that too go for it but you know what the wrestling world is in such a great uh place right now the fact that we're getting pay-per-views like forbidden door who would have thought years ago we'd be seeing this? Because you know yeah. we would never see this in, in uh, WWE. No. And yeah. Vince would never allow it. And Vince would never allow his guys to lose on yeah. a show like that. Jim, I was telling them right before he, Tanner asked that question, I said it's almost two different platforms. Like, to me, the entertainment storyline is a lot of WWE, if that's what you want. Um, and, and things like that. AEW is like, to me, the pure wrestling aspect of like actually doing things in the ring that more that then, then you don't get that, that, you know, what you want in the WWE. So it's, it's sad though, because like, is if you, there's so many, not like you or myself where I feel like we watch both, enjoy both. Um, and I don't really pick one or the other, which I like, I like both and it's good to have balance and it's good to have, uh, you know, not a set, you know, it's not uh, all in one place. And that's the only thing you can get. Uh, it's good to have multiple shows, but it's sad that the wrestling, the rest of the wrestling world, you have to pick one side or the other and you can't just be happy with both. Right. Right. Yeah. It's unfortunate that the wrestling world is so divided. Hopefully we start coming together more like we did over the weekend. Cause I met so many cool people Guys came in from Hawaii for the show. Wow. Met so many good people wow. in, in Canada that were fans of everything. People were giving me, you know, high fives for the shirts that I was wearing. I had my Bret Hart Hitman jersey for Saturday Ooh. night uh, for Collision. I had my Brody, uh, my John Hoover uh, shirt that I wore last night for uh, uh, Forbidden Door. People were giving me, you know, so many you know, high fives and stuff. Hey, nice shirt. You know, you traveled from Jersey. This is cool. Like we were talking like just that community is awesome. And the fact that we got that with forbidden door, hopefully that that brings us together more. I know we're divided. Hey, WWE is better. This is better, whatever. But you know what? Like I said, the wrestling community and the wrestling product is really good because both companies are pushing each other to be better. Yeah. All right, all right, Scott, take it away. Right, real quick, before we get to the hockey stuff, hey, outside <laughs> of Tony Schiavone, is there anybody else that you uh, met that was really cool? Uh, so I saw Aubrey walking around. She was cool, talking to her for a bit, a minute. 
uh, my buddy of mine who ran a company in Jersey uh, texted uh, these Prince Nana and Brian Cage. So I saw them like Saturday for a little bit before they had to go in uh, when they were around the ring. Uh, Dax Harwood gave me a thumbs up for my, my Bret Hart jersey. So that was kind of cool. So uh, that's a moment for me uh, that I won't forget for sure. Um, yeah, no, just, you know, just the people up there were so friendly. I mean, Canadians are always friendly. So that's like a stereotype, but they really okay. are. Friendly. Um, but, uh, you know, it's just a fun time and an awesome experience that, you know, I'm just so glad it was in Toronto because it's just, you know, hops skipping to jump away, even though, you know, I'm driving home before I head to Nashville. Um, but you know what? I don't care because it's all part of the experience. Hell yes. Go ahead, Scott. Now we get some hockey. Let's go, I know you're. Yeah, One more gonna, thing. Uh, you're going to be <laughs> boots yeah, on the ground. Yeah. You're going to be boots on the ground at the yeah. draft oh, yeah. Wednesday yeah. night. Uh, I don't know. I think you and uh, Sam plan to meet up, or maybe you just plan on putting a tracker on Sam's phone so you're not staying anywhere near uh, where he's at. But um, I found your app, Jim. I deleted it. <laughs> what? Are, what are? Is there somebody outside? We talked about the Blackhawks' top ten-year plan. Is there somebody that we're uh, we're looking at here, other than the first-round pick, that is going to surprise some people? So, you know, obviously we know Connor Bedard's going first overall to Chicago, but there's a lot of question marks following the first overall pick. Could it be Anna Fantelli going to Anaheim? What about Leo Carlson? Will Smith in play? And then obviously the Russian, uh, Mitch Koff, uh, you know, he's in town, which is, you know, surprising because a lot of people didn't think he was going to make the trip to Nashville, but he's here. Uh, he's going to be there and, uh, but yeah, there's a lot of, lot of uh, talk about what Anaheim's going to do. Could be a lot of smoke because most people figure it's going to be Adam Fantilli, the, the center coming out of Michigan. But I'm not so sure. Could be Carlson. The way you know they like their Swedes there in Anaheim, uh, they like the Europeans. But I think it's going to be Fantilli that goes too because there's just a lot of talk around it. But, you know, those are the guys that I'm watching. Obviously, we, I'm trying to see what Montreal's trying to do. Uh, there's been a lot of talk. They're trying to get into the top four to try to draft Will Smith. But, again, what do they want to give up? How much are they giving up? And what are teams looking for in return? That's always going to be the big question. And, and they have their hands in a lot of stuff. Obviously, Pierre-Luc Dubois, they, they're looking at a center. But, again, what are they giving up to get Dubois? Because the Kings are with him. Uh, you know, so there's just a lot of action moving after the first overall pick, which, by the way, I think, you know, Scott's going to want me to talk about that trade that happened today, too. Yeah. To that trade, also, there was a, there was an article up here in Boston saying that Linus Olmach expects to be traded at some point in the next uh, couple of weeks here. So, the, obviously, the salary dumps have started for the Bruins, but what, what do you think about the trade and the Olmach's comments. Yeah, I mean, look, Olmark, I don't know if you would want to give up a guy who's won 40 go a games for you. Like, I'm just not sure about that. Maybe the guy's swimming because you have the, the AHL goalie coming up and they just signed him to a new deal. So yeah. you could roll with that and then you Swayman goes on the market. Uh, you could trade for him, not qualify him, stuff like that. Uh, but the trade for Taylor Hall is really interesting because 
I had been saying it for weeks, and yes, you can. If we have sound for this, eventually we will. The Behringer bomb, let it go again, because I told you guys for weeks that Taylor Hall was going to be a cap casualty for this team because they want to re-sign Tyler Bertuzzi. Bertuzzi is such a fit for this team. Uh, he is a Bruin. What he did in the playoffs, how he did it in the playoffs, he's just a typical Bruin. As much as they want to try to keep Orlov, I just don't know if they can make the money work, considering who else they have to sign. Uh, you know, you have Trent Frederick do a new contract. Uh, Swayman's do a new contract. Again, they have to clear money. And how else would they were going to do it? Well, you get rid of two million, two years at six million, and Chicago takes it. Now Chicago gets Taylor Hall, and he gets, goes around Connor Bedard, and and then Hall doesn't like to play third line minutes on a championship team. Well, now you're going to get the first line minutes you want, bud, and you're going to be playing with one of the best players that is coming from this draft. So look out because you got what you wanted. It's a good pickup, but again, Bruins wanted to clear cap space to allow for the potential to re-sign Tyler Bertuzzi, which I think they will. But again, it's how much of that six million do they want to re-sign him at? Yeah, yeah. And what, I'll work on about, that sound, Jim. I'll work on that sound. Yeah. What about the flop, the Flyers trade being held up by the CBA quirk? They want to get they they're trying to trade D'Angelo back to the Hurricanes. What is the quirk in the, in the CBA that's holding this up? Yeah, I just didn't catch that. What was the whole question? I'm sorry. The the Flyers are trying to trade Tony D'Angelo back to the Hurricanes, and there's a quirk in the CBA that they're trying to to loophole or get around. What what is the quirk in the in the CBA? If you yeah, know. so the fact of the matter is the NHL is, plot is uh, looking into it because of cap circumvention because the Flyers are trying to just offload the contract back to a team that he was just a free agent ago for uh, free agent a year ago and he didn't sign with Carolina and they're just trying to trade him back there uh, and that's the issue and that's the holdup because they're okay. looking into it because it's cap circumvention or potentially. So it's going to be interesting to see what the NHL rules on on that because of, uh, like I said, there's because he was a free agent and he signed with the was traded to the Flyers and signed the contract. Mm-hmm. You can't just send the player back the following year and not send the whole contract back. And I think that's what the holdup is. Okay. Okay. Ah. Hey, Jim, uh, the Preds, uh, Barry Trotz made his first move uh, and traded uh, Ryan Johansson uh, for Alex Galchinik, I think is how it's said. I can't be. Yes, I can be got that right. Hey, look at that. Hey, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, look at me. Look at me now, Ma. Uh, but uh, that's the first Trotzy move. Uh, do you think there'll be others? And was that uh, trade worth it? Oh, it was a great trade. It was a great trade because I also have been saying for weeks now, and even longer than that, that the Colorado Avalanche needed a second-line center, and they didn't have one. Gabriel Landeskog is going to be lost for another year. This was an area they needed to address at the trade deadline, and they didn't do it. They just didn't do it because they thought Landeskog was going to come back, and he didn't. Um, Now... The fact that the Preds have to retain salary, okay, that's fine. It's only $4 million for the next two years. It's a great trade-off. And Colorado gets a second line. 
the problem it, it with Johansson a- is he hasn't been healthy. But when he's healthy, he's really good. And Kenya's going to go walk the free agency. They're not going to resign him. So the Preds are doing what they're supposed to be doing and getting out of the murky middle. Are they going to go full rebuild? We're going to see because there's a lot of talk about UC Soros being traded out of Nashville. Yeah. Jim, how long is the draft in hockey? Is it How many rounds is that? Because I have no idea. So it's seven rounds. The first night is the first round. And rounds two through seven are on Thursday. Uh, so they're, back in 2013, they did long-ass day for everybody. So they like to do round one, like the NFL draft likes to do round one and on the first night. And then they do... Uh, the other rounds on the next day. So seven rounds total. You can find guys, if you have great scouting, deep in rounds four through seven that make the National Hockey League. We've seen it. If you have good scouts and good scouting departments and good drafting and developing, you can find guys that can make the NHL later in the round. Who Who is the team in the draft you're watching really closely, Jim, to see what they do? Uh-oh. Uh-oh. What was the oh, question? Okay. I'm sorry. There we go. Who, who is the team you're watching in the draft really closely to see see what they do? Um, so one team I'm looking at in the draft right now is I'm looking at St. Louis and how many picks they're going to use, right? They have three first-round picks, and I think that one of their picks is part of that trade that they wanted to try to move Tory Krug. But yeah. – Obviously, he uses no trade cause uh, to get Kevin Hayes out of there. But St. Louis has got three picks. I want to see what they're going to use with those picks to see what they're going to get. But, it's, you know, there's there's so many eyes on the top ten and the movement. And who could get in? Because there's talk of teams trading that are not in the first round to trade back deep because the draft is just so, so deep. Hey Jim, we'll get you out of here. Uh, one last question. I'm gonna uh, to about tennis here. Who you got winning the men's and women uh, women's Wimbledon? Because uh, that's getting ready to kick off here next week, I think. Right? Busted out the Wimbledon. Yeah, next question. week Wimbledon, the championship start. I would put Djokovic as my favorite to win in uh, on the gentleman's side and on the ladies' side. I'm gonna go with. I'm gonna go with. Elena Rabakina. I think she can defend her title. So back-to-back champs are going to re- reign in, at the All England Club. I- I'm going to go with that. I like it. I, I like it, it, Jim. That's Jim, it. drive safe every. Hey, drive safe, and don't let yeah, Sam get careful. you in any trouble down there in Nashville. I'm going to take you down. Yeah, it's you know, just, you know, it's just I, down the back alley. It's okay. I don't have a problem with that. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I'm going to have a problem with that. But it's going to be a fun time in Nashville. I hope I hope to hook up with, with uh, Sam when I'm down there. Uh, it's going to be a busy day. But you know what? Uh, it's going to be a fun time down there. And, uh, guys, thank you. I know we might have had some audio things tonight. But you know what? I'm glad to be on here uh, doing what I do for you guys. And Boots on the Ground, yes, at AEW. And Boots on the Ground at the NHL Express. And, and thank you all. And I hope you guys have a great night. And thank you for the safe drive, Witches. Yep. Be careful, hey, Jim. We'll talk Jim, to you yeah. next week. Give it up. Next week. So we'll give Friends you two weeks, program. Baby. 
You know who it is. Uh, full hot, full press hockey, full press wrestling. Give it up for Jim Barrett, everybody. Uh, Thanks, Jim. Jim. Thanks, guys. Have a good night. Talk to you later. Take care, Jim. Boy, I'm jealous he got the collision and, and forbidden door. Boy, yeah, the pictures he had, the pictures he had on Twitter were just phenomenal. Absolutely oh, awesome. phenomenal. The pack the packed view of, of the stadium. Oh, yeah. Just, just how high it went. I mean, oh, imagine 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 going to that and then you go to uh Nashville and you run into Sam. That's just the highest of highs to the lowest of lows right there. You know? I don't know, I get pretty high. Uh Sam said this morning he's taking he's taking uh, Jim to Graceland to see the. Oh, hey, that, that, that's hey, Graceland! Hey, Graceland! All right. Hey guys, uh, if you look at the screen here, for those listening to audio, I'm sorry you can't see it, uh, but if you go to Jim Beringer's site, you can see it. Uh, but we'll pull it up here. This is Jim's picture of. <laughs> look at that! Yeah, look, look at it. Awesome. It's beautiful. Yeah, this it is, is right awesome. off the Omega win, uh, or the sorry. No, this is after CM Punk. Sorry. After seeing Stellar. punk was get booed and everything like that, that's I mean, look just how look how cool that is. That look awesome. how, I, I usually when you see wrestling shows, the wrestling shows I've been to have been nothing like this. Nothing like this. Like you can actually see people in the uppers versus yeah. like like the first 10 rows. That's that's what I'm used to here. That's so. a WrestleMania type crowd, uh, you know, yeah. and it was that type of feel uh, some of those matches were. Uh, last night it was just an incredible, incredible Carlos. scene. I mean, uh, I, I enjoy, I enjoyed Carlos. it, and I enjoyed it's it. I don't the weird man with the beard. <laughs> <laughs> Which one, Carlos? Carlos? Don't do this to me. Oh, Carlos, <laughs> Carlos. All right, hey, hey, when you get back AEW. to the states, all right, we'll have a conversation. Okay? AEW right. is going to London, and they've sold, I think, close to 80,000 tickets yes. for an yep. event. Wembley, Wembley, yeah, yeah, Wembley. So to see how hot that was, WWE went to Wembley. Was it '92, Nick? I believe. Yeah, for WrestleMania SummerSlam. uh, Yeah, Bret Hart took on the Bulldog. Yeah, and it was—I don't think there was anywhere near eighty thousand in the stadium for that event. I don't remember. Here, give me a minute. But that's that's just awesome for AEW if they get ninety thousand in Wembley for their for an event. Oh yeah, it's, it's a big deal. It's massive. It's good for them. Good for yeah, them. Yeah, it absolutely is. It absolutely is. SummerSlam 1992, Wembley Stadium had reported reported attendance of seventy nine thousand one hundred close. They were close. Yeah. So yeah. that's and, and that was from the, that's with the original Wembley Stadium before that. Yeah, so yeah. That's so that, that'll give the other thing is the Arthur Ashe Stadium for AEW was huge too. Because they've done that, that twice now. They've, they've done, done that one yeah. twice. Yeah. yeah, that gave them the the capacity to do outdoor shows or whatever, and go to Wembley. Too. Yeah. So we didn't we didn't have time to discuss it, but uh, on SmackDown, uh, being that big LA Knight fan, it's pretty rare for him to have a bigger pop than Rey Mysterio. He had a bigger pop than Rey Mysterio, and people were cheering for him. Yeah, yeah I, I saw. Uh, I saw a, it was a meme that said pretty much only two people have ever uh, fans have only booed, uh, you know, Rey Mysterio twice in his whole career, and that's when Daniel Bryan won the Royal Rumble or didn't win the Royal Rumble because in because uh, of him, and last night, last uh, Friday night when LA Knight was. Yeah. Uh, the so fans, fans, fans are about to make up. LA Knight a, a, a face. 
and the hugest space possible on SmackDown. I'm one of them. I'm one of them. I'm right here. I want it everywhere. (laughs) I mean, that's the whole thing. The fans fans are dictating to WWE and Triple H exactly what to do with LA Knight. Hey, there wouldn't be LA Knight without Triple H. He said the interview. It wouldn't. Yeah, no. He said the interview. They they had him as a manager, and he was like, "Hey, give give me a shot here, and if it doesn't work out in a month, I'll go back." They, he's yeah. been there ever since. Yeah, I mean, uh-huh. and the other the, the other big thing now is the Usos. They finally pulled the trigger on on this Civil War, Civil yep, War Civil this War. Saturday at two Money in the bank. Yep. Yeah, baby, really I can't wait. To see what they do with so J- Jonathan's really good. Is he joining us? Because he's going to be celebrating. It's eleven to three LSU over Florida. It's Oh Lord! In, in the words of Vince that? Carter, it's over. It's over. But what inning? Uh, eighth, uh, I think. Top the eighth. It's over. Oh, yeah, eighth. Eighth. oh yeah, yeah, he's got. They got him. I don't. I don't know if Skeens has gotten in the game yet. But I've Jonathan will be joining us in here uh, in the second hour of the show. We're eight minutes away from the second hour. Game. Go ahead and uh, we need to get an ad read in Tanner. So why don't you go ahead and? Uh, yeah, Tony's not here, is it? All right. No. So underdog, underdog. Uh, I mean, that, that app is amazing. I, I'm going to be starting that here next month here. Best ball drafts, NBA, MLB. Uh, you got your NFL. Um, you got your daily uh, showdowns. You can do up like they have three, three-man showdowns, essentially, where you draft three or four players and you yeah. can play against each other for, you know, a small price. Nothing big unless you put the big money in. You go to the big side. Uh, they got really cool uh, best ball rooms as well. Uh, you know, chance to win, you know, in the million dollar prize range as well at times. So there's different rooms throughout the next few months to really look for. So that's gonna be awesome. So you can do that. Download the app, go to underdog.com, use promo code LTS, uh, let's talk sports, LTS, get a uh, matching deposit of up to a hundred dollars. Uh, so if you put a hundred in, you get a hundred, you put 50 in, you get 50. And that's, that's a great way. Uh, especially if you, Best ball. I don't know if you guys know what best ball is, but essentially you draft your best players that you can draft it, you know, just like any other fancy draft, but you don't have to worry about the lineup. So you don't have to remember on Sunday morning. Oh crap. I forgot to take that guy out of this lineup because it's already done. So it's a great way. If you're, if you're want to do fantasy football, but you don't want the whole maintenance part of it throughout the season, this is your way of doing it. Use, use underdog, use the promo code LTS, get that matching hundred dollars. And sign up for a, uh, you know, you can sign three dollar rooms. You sign up to, you know, a whole bunch of rooms for three dollars, five dollars drafts, or you can even do lawn drafts as well if you if you don't have enough time to sit there uh, with uh, three or four people. So it's it's a great app. Dang, I did underdog today. I did three Dang. best ball drafts today. Scott Fishbowl draft uh, best ball draft to get into next year's Scott Fishbowl. If you finish in the top two fifty, I did the Puppy Bowl. That underdog site is phenomenal. It's great. Nice. Everybody needs to go to it and at least do one best ball. Like Tana said, it, it cost me $10 to do three drafts today. So it's phenomenal. And best ball is a great way to get yourself ready for your regular draft. As Nick Botkins knows, he's the champion of this. Ah, Nick's just going to go chill on the couch the until draft day, listen to what Ryan says, and That's say, right. oh, yeah, all right, yeah, yeah. I guess, I guess I'll draft that guy. So, I do right. the opposite of what Ryan says, and that's why I win, baby. That's what it is. <laughs> <laughs> that's Papa what I not be happy with you. I mean, that, so underdogs, I don't know if you guys caught on the Buffoons channel uh, last year uh, during August. The month of August, I did a fantasy draft almost every night. I think I missed one night for the whole entire month. I just went an hour or two 
of we yeah. just did underdog drafts. We did mock drafts. I used to underdog. I did. I think I ended up with 20, 25, 30 underdog best ball, best ball drafts uh, from that month. And I ended up profiting 150 bucks after That's the awesome. season was all done. So and, it worked out for me. It was a good time. Uh, and like I said, I actually, I never done best ball till last, last year. And that was such a great time for me that it's coming back into August for me. Big time. It, the other thing is the drafts I did today, 30 seconds per pick. So you're yep. in and out. It's awesome. 15, it goes. 15 it goes. minutes total. You're, you're done. They, they also got long jabs for, yep. for you guys that don't let, you know, want to go sleep it off and, you know, go research and watch six YouTube's videos. You know, they got the eight to 10 hour long draft. So it's yep. there for you. If you want it, I'd actually clicked in one. I'm like, why is it taking so long? Look down at the time. No, it was like eight hours. I'm like, ah, crap. Ron one. <laughs> <laughs> I actually ended up winning that one too. So. <laughs> Tanner next ad read. Can you do it? Like the guy that does, uh, Oh, uh, you know, Sunday, 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 Sunday. like be the yeah, grave digger, yeah, underdog. Hey, let me ask you guys this, Scott. I mean, it seems that Dalvin Cook is kind of flirting with the with the Patriots a little bit right now. Uh, you want to Dalvin in your um roster? Come on, boy, come on, come to New England. I'll pick you up at the airport. I'll be a chauffeur for the. Come on, boy. As much talent as the Patriots can get in their facility. If they can get cook, find a way to get Dalvin and D-Hop, both of them in under the, the salary structure, I'm for it because they need a lot of talent here. And it would it would actually give them a you know a, a, a leg up to get into this AFC East race. So, yeah, I'm for it. You know, Ramondre is the only running back. If he goes down, it's P.S. Strong. And I, I'm not signing up for that. So, um, <laughs> you know, not, not even close. So, um, yeah, Dalvin Cook would be a welcome addition. And if he's not asking for $10, $12 million, if he's asking for like five, they could fit him in under the salary cap and get and get him in here. So from our reports, I've been hearing that he wants at least 10. I know. Well, well the longer he goes, you know, he's not going to get 10 right now. He goes into late you know, when training camp start, he's still not with the team. He, he he's either going to have to sit out because he wants 10 million or he's going to have to take two or three million. Or he waits yeah. until, you know, I mean, a preseason injury, uh, yeah, you know, training true. campus season injury. That's like, true. we see that stuff happen all the time. So, if I'm D-Hop and, and, and Cook, uh, you know, in this situation, I'm, I'm waiting. Uh, I mean, we gotta, thing is, how, how much is ahead. Miami in on him? How much is Miami in on him? Doesn't seem like they're even linked to him at all. No, not at all. I thought, I thought it would be a pretty big deal for Miami. I thought they'd really go in for it. Yeah. I did too, but obviously oh. they're happy with Mostert and Wilson and, and A Chain, the guy they drafted. So I think they're going to roll with that backfield. So uh, Ingles, your uh, roommate says, uh, yeah. your roommate says, put the bottle down, Scott. Uh, no, <laughs> no cook here, please. What you drinking? What you drinking? Scott? Well, what, do you, what do you want, Keith? <laughs> I, I just think you know, I I love Ramondre. You know, I think he he's he's a good, a really good running back. But if he ever got hurt, do you, do you really want Pierre Strong as the number one running back on that team? I don't know if I, I would sign up for that. I mean, who else I do they got? Ty Montgomery? Hmm. I mean, that guy gets hurt, you know, every other year, it seems like. So, to me, they need a, a second running back. And he, Dalvin's not going to take over the backfield. Belichick no. shows that in, yeah. his, in his recent past. So, if Dalvin Cook gets, what, 12 to 15 touches a week with Ramondre – 
I mean, you, you got to look at it. And if he's willing to take two or three million because he's he wants to, he's desperate to play, and he, the Patriots are the only team that's offered him anything, he's probably going to sign. So, it's true. I would think it'd be Patriots. Really, I really would think they would. I still, nobody else. I haven't heard anything. I still else think the Jets. I still think. I think the Jets need to be in on both Cook and Jets uh, need to, but they're not do, going to. Do we'll they see. have the money to do it? I mean, they had to figure it out. Figure, figure it out. The, yeah. The one thing I know from the NFL, the salary cap is trash. You can you can <gasps> what circumvent it. You can circumvent it any way yeah. possible. Kick the can so, down the road somehow, some way. Yeah, yeah you oh, feel salary hey, cap. Just, just remember, my team kicked the can down the road, and the Roosters came home to roost this year. So, just FYI. <laughs> and the Rams, the Rams are the same way. The Rams have figured it out, though, a little bit. I mean, they still got some talent. I think they could still contend a little if they can stay healthy. Yeah. They're at least yeah. in a playoff picture, the Rams. Yeah. Cooper Cup's back, and and don't forget, he didn't tear his ACL. He hurt his, he hurt his ankle, I think. Yeah. So, I think it's all me, about the quarterback with the He's Rams. fine. If, if Stafford it stays is. healthy, that, that Rams offense could be okay. So Yeah, but yeah, yeah, it's I, the I, defense that's awful. It's all up to the defense was awful. awful. Well, I mean, is it, you can, I don't like to call it defense that still has Sam Darnold or Aaron Darnold on it. Mm-hmm. Uh, awful, just because I, to me, I, I'm a one of the biggest. I think Aaron Donald's one of the best defensive players to ever play this yes, game. It's, it's a it's a mid to bottom half defense. Is it's it as good as it once was? That you know when they won the right. Super Bowl? Absolutely not. Yeah, no. You know, it's not going to be a top zero. fifteen, but yeah. it's not going to be a bottom thirty. You know what I mean? It's going to be yeah. in the twenty five to fifteen range this year. Yeah. Sam, we kind of talked about it on the Off the Rails show yesterday. Uh, the uh, uh, Antonio Brown has come out and said it was, uh, it's Tom Brady's fault. He's not in the NFL. And, uh, you, you know, what was what's your thoughts on, on A.B.? Guy has problems. And, I mean, it's just obvious. I I mean, look, he took money out of the account to pay the, his arena team, for God's sake. I mean, what are, this this kind of get guy we're, uh, we're dealing with. Oh, geez, sorry. Just fans just said Mayo Power in the comments and it erased everything I was talking about. No, I, look, to be honest with you, that guy hasn't been right since he, <laughs> uh, since I think Perfect laid him out yeah. in the middle of the game. And uh, I, you know, if you're looking at like CTE or something, I think you start with that guy because I he he's had been nothing but trouble and problems and just acting out as all get out. But like even taking money away from the arena team and those players was ah that's pretty crappy. Well, they kicked him out of the league, him and his team yeah. out of the league. Yeah, yeah. If, if you listen to the podcast that he was on Tyreek Hill, it was a as I said yesterday, it was a bunch of. Kissing each other's butts, Tyree Cheetah, you're the greatest. Antonio, you're the one that that got us into the league. These smaller receivers and stuff. It just, it just was. And this, and the co-host on the Tyreek Hill podcast was just like he, he was as quiet as anything half the time. So. He trying to collect his paycheck, Scott. That's why. Yeah, I know. I know. Yeah, so, Ty, Tyreek's such a stand-up guy too. Let's not forget. You know. So to me, Antonio, you know, detailed exactly. He said his leg was was bothering him, and he didn't know if he could play. And the Buccaneers made him play. And Which that that part is uh, he's been consistent with. That's right. That's right. And then Tom, I guess he said Tom Brady called him on Tuesday and said, "I'm going to throw you the ball ten or twelve times." 
you're going to get the ball a lot, be ready. And then Antonio Brown said he was all pumped up for the game. And then he got in the game and it was like nothing. And so that's when he just he said, he said, F you all. I, and he took off his jersey and he ran. That's why he ran out because he, he thought he, the Buccaneers were, were against him. All better, season better, better ways of handling it, though. My goodness. But Sam. I mean, have you never worked for a job or had a job yeah. where you uh, want to tell your boss to go, you know, pretty much go fuck himself? Yep. Most yep. of the time, I'm just kind of happy to have a job and pave the road. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> hey, Sam, twin girls. Yes, sir. Whatever you say, sir. Yes. yes. <laughs> so, uh, but no, I mean, look, I get it. I feel bad for the guy. Um, he's just, he seems like somebody that has a lot of issues that need to be worked out. We talked about this. It, it's, you know, it's like John ja Morant. You really want somebody to help John ja Morant because he's such a special talent. Antonio Brown was a great talent too, and it's just kind of sad uh, to see somebody act out like that. Though it was kind of humorous when he took off his shirt and started running through the end zone and everything. I just remember watching uh, Red Zone and I was like, uh, "Okay, you know." <laughs> oh, for heaven's sake, Keith! Keith, Keith, come on, Keith. Man. Keith, that is right, Keith. That is right, Keith. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing's better than Scott going, Keith, get off the comments. <laughs> but it's all, it all started with the perfect hit. As soon as yeah. perfect laid him out and he got the yeah, it did. That's when, that's when it snapped in his head and something was wrong. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So mm-hmm. to me, you know, nobody's good. He's not going to take anybody's help. He just is not. So, mom, meatloaf, mom. Yeah. <laughs> somebody helping somebody helping him out is never going to happen because he just won't take it. He, he just won't. won't take yeah. it. People have reached they, out. We know people have reached out. Yeah. They, yes. he he, no doubt. He's just not going to do it. No doubt. Let's go ahead and, and and bring in our guest, a guy who I think yesterday was in a worse mood than he is today. Uh, I see him. He's got the victory cigar ready. Uh, we talked about it. This guy's got to be the luckiest sob. His sub girls basketball team is national champions. And now his baseball team's about to be national champions. Uh, give it so up. His, his mom could kick everybody's ass on LTS, I guarantee it. <laughs> uh, she's a professional fighter. Uh, she probably needs to kick his ass for, for about the stuff that's this braggatocious behavior that's about oh. to spew out of his mouth. Give it up for Jonathan Grisham, baby. Boo. Guardians. Yes, Where's the champagne? Hey, champagne doesn't get busted open until the last out is made. (laughs) That's the way to do it. All right, the cigar is not lit. The cigar is out. The cigar is out, but it's not lit yet. It's not lit. I told told you guys earlier, Florida creamed LSU yesterday. I, as quick as I could, put money on LSU because I knew it wouldn't happen again. LSU was going to turn it around. You know what they say. You know know, what they say. You know what they say, Jonathan. Ain't over till the fat lady sings. But Sam's mom's been singing for a minute, so uh, (laughs) you can go ahead and light that cigar. So it's so it's and it's so funny too. Very lovely voice. It's funny. So all the girls again. They my my team that I coached this past weekend. Like you know, I got a couple girls that they they just. They want it. They they want my teams to lose. They just mess with me and everything like that. So they so yesterday's game against Florida, like I, we we beat game one, and I'm like, yeah, hey, I'm doing the Gator chop on them and like that. Hey, you suck. Hey, Gators suck. And so the the 24 to four score happens, and my phone was just blowing up. At that like, point in time, you just gotta shut it off, right? You just shut no, it off. No, 
Because I, I all my response was this. My response was this to them. Game three. Game three. We still got game three to go. And at the end of the day, it's what they – and they're like, well, how do you – they, they even asked me, how would they come back how, – how would a team come back if they're losing by 20 runs? You turn the page. Right. You have to turn the page. I, mean, I was like, I told – I teach y'all that. I teach y'all that. No matter if we win a game by 10 runs or we lose a game by 10 runs, you still got to turn the page no matter what. So you turn the page and get ready for the next game. Yeah. Uh, somebody once said, be a goldfish, right? Uh, what's his name yeah. from the, you know, uh, Apple show? His name's eluding me all of a sudden. But be a goldfish. 30-second memory. And the other thing right. that LSU know is they had skeins in the in their pocket. If they needed to use him tonight, they could use him for three or four innings. But they don't need to use him, obviously. Well, Florida's good. They, they still will, just to give him a standing ovation. Send off though. They're still going to pitch him in the ninth yeah. anymore, likely. Bottom of the ninth. Just yeah. to have a send off. Because you let, let the best pitcher, let one of, if not the best pitcher in LSU history, pitch uh, pitch get one inning in the in the College World Series final. Absolutely. Sure. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Get him coming and close it out there. Yeah. Thanks, Stats. Appreciate Thanks, you. Stats. Appreciate Thanks, Stats. Appreciate it, Bubba. Thanks, Stats. Yeah. Yes, Jonathan, yes. they stats, said uh, yeah. these three, there's three players uh, playing tonight, probably going to be the first three picks in the draft. What's your uh, what's your thoughts on all three of those guys? Two of those guys, obviously the LSU, and then the kid from Florida. You're talking about Dylan Cruz, is who's the you know is the Golden Spikes Award winner, and he's been he's been the he's fulfilled the hype that came in from high school. He was one of the top prospects in high school, and he turned down draft pick money to go to Pro Bowl to go to LSU, and all he's done is just get better. And that's something that you, it's just unheard of. Someone who's a top player go to college and just gets even better. You know, they're, they're trying to figure out what what is he going to be? I mean, is, he's going to be a center fielder. He's a really good – we saw it tonight if you watch some of the game. Some of the plays he made in the ground, he covers. He's not super fast. That's the thing about it. Like, he he just – but he makes great reads in the outfield. Like he, and he's going to be a, a very good outfielder, and he's going to make a lot of money in his career by being a center fielder just from how he can cover ground and make plays. The bat is amazing. Batted over 400 all season. Uh, you know, home runs. He's got power. He's a five-tool player. So there's the, there's a reason he's the number one pick coming. He's going to be the number one pick. He should be the number one pick uh, if the Pittsburgh Pirates are smart about it and, and make him the future. Uh, there, you put him in the outfield with Brian Reynolds in the next – I know this is two, three years down the road, but Brian Reynolds, who just signed a contract, you put him in center field out there and you have a build, you have a core to build around in the, in the, in the field, in the batting order from there. But he's going to be – I mean, the bat is amazing. He's like I said, he just does a lot of things really good. And he's a five tool because of it, you know? So, I mean, he's number one pick for sure. Should be number quick. The number two guy, Paul Skeens, any other year, he is the number one pick. And the talk about Skeens is he's the best college pitcher since Steven Strasburg. And we all remember what Strasburg did at San Diego state and what he, and how, how the hype was around him. My opinion of what I've watched and I've seen and I've scouted, kind of, and I've just put kind of scouting reports of of, uh, of Skeens. Skeens is light years ahead of Strasburg because of the size of the body too. So Strasburg was not really a big guy, and I got actually got and some of the parents that I was actually at practice a little bit ago. They're asking me a little bit of you know the difference of Skeens and, and Strasburg when they were in college. Strasburg wasn't a big guy. Strasburg was comparable, and Nick, you might uh, agree with this to Mark Pryor. Pryor wasn't a big guy. But yep. he was just a super talented pitcher who sustained a lot of injuries in his career and kind of and it just it derailed him. Well, what do we see from Strasburg? Strasburg is dealing with a lot of injuries, and his career is probably over because of the injuries he had. And, and the velocity he threw with his body couldn't handle that. 
Skeens is 6'5", 235. It's a big boy. And he effortlessly throws 100 miles an hour. Like, if you just, it's like, you know, they talk about it. Ben McDonald talks about it all the time when, you know, does LSU, uh, LSU games on ESPN. It's like he's playing catch at 100 miles an hour. It's so effortless. And it's just, it's, he's not overexerting himself. That's why he can go and throw 125, 129, 130 pitches and still throw 100 miles an hour on the 129th pitch. Because it's just the body is able to be able to handle that and just make it effortless uh, to uh, exertion to go and handle that velocity 100, 100, 102 by that length of duration. So again, guys like like Strasburg, who 205, 210, maybe 215, body can can handle it for a period of time. Skeens is going to handle that for a long time in his career. They compared him. A lot of the ESPN analysts compared Paul Skeens to Roger Clemens. Bigger guy, tall guy, thicker guy, and he just—it was just effortless motion that can throw, you know, upper nineties to hundred miles an hour if needed from there. That's Paul Skeens. And the, you know, the conversation of—is there ever a pitcher we could see get drafted from college to go straight to the major leagues? Paul Skeens is that. He's that good, and he's that ready with his stuff. Could he fine tune like his slider and change up? Could, but he's got—he's got major league stuff ready stuff now. And, you know, again, whoever drafts it, if it's Pirates to draft him, number one, or if it's Nationals, they're getting – and if you think about that, if you're Washington Nationals, you went with Strasburg for, a, you know, a good portion of time with his career, and now you turn around and you get Paul Skeens. I don't think anybody in D.C. is going to be very upset about that aspect, that you have Strasburg for his career as number one pick, and you turn it over to the, to the future that Paul Skeens is going to be from there. Wyatt Langford from Florida, he is not as the hype that came with Dylan Cruz. He was the unranked player that just turned himself into a superstar. And he is, you know, right there along with one of the best outfielders in the country. Power, like, and he's a big, another big guy who plays good outfield and, and does a lot of things well. But he's a thicker guy than Dylan Cruz, who's got probably more power. He's got A-plus power, uh, you know, a lot more than what Dylan does at LSU. So, again, it, you can roll a dice with any of these three guys, and you won't be wrong. That's, just, that's how good all three of them are. Florida's got the projected number one pick next year, and Jack, they call him uh, Jack, Jack Tiny, Tiny, right? Yeah. Right? I mean, the guy's right. hitting 400-foot bombs and striking out dudes. How good is – is? He, he, there's no way he's Shohei, right? Like, I mean, I know they're calling Jack Tiny, but – No, and you kind of see it. So, I project uh, Cagliani to be a, uh, a hitter. I, I mean, again, you're 6'5", 235, 240-ish. Your, your first baseman that, that just has an amazing power. That's something you don't, you don't see. You saw tonight. He's got, a, if he wants to be a two way pitcher, kind of like Shohei, he's got a lot of work to do on his mechanics and a lot of work to do to be consistent, to, to handle it. He didn't, he didn't pitch well tonight. He, he didn't pitch well at all. So it's one of those things where you kind of look and say, yeah, you have arm talent. You definitely have arm talent to be a pitcher at the, at the professional level. But the consistency side is what you've got to fix and be able to handle. This should not have happened tonight. If you're that good and you're that to that level, you shouldn't be going only two or three innings. You should have pitched and be able to dominate to a portion of it what he does hitting-wise. So uh, is he a good pitcher? Yes, I'm not taking anything away. He is a very good pitcher. I think he's a better hitter. And I think the major leagues, the major league teams that draft him in, 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 you know, next year, they're going to sit there and say, we want you to hit more than we want you to pitch. Your arm talent is there, yes, but your bat is, is A+. plus. You have an A arm versus an A-plus bat. 
I think I think more so you're going to be that. Will they give him a chance to do both? Yes, they will. But if he struggles out the gate in the minors next year after getting drafted, they're going to say, no, this pitching's done. You're just going to be a hitter, and you're just going to be a first baseman at that point. You, you think so there's John, a chance where he goes hitting and then goes, instead of being a starter like Otani, he becomes a relief guy that they put in. Do you think that's any chance of that happening? Because that seems weird as no other if you're going to do it that way. I, I don't think anybody really wants to try that, though. I don't think anybody wants to try and see because again, you you said we've never seen anybody do that. You know, Shohei is a starter, and and so how do you? So the hard part is, is how do you plan to use them in relief? Like that, like like I don't think there's a way that you can look at and say, yeah, you're going to be a hitter, and then oh by the way, hey, you got relief time. You got five ten minutes to go get yourself loose to pitch. I saw Travis Wood. uh, You know, I saw Travis Wood do it for the Cubs once. He pitched. Got sent to left field and then brought back into pitch. Yeah, the very rare insert your starter. Yeah, I mean, he's a pitcher, but it's they so put weird. him in left field. It was a weird situation that uh, Joe Madden yeah. did one time. And yeah, I, 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 and it was it was so it was so absurd. It was so absurd to kind of see, and so that's why I don't, I don't think anybody really wants to see that be the case where you have a a, a batter that is a relief pitcher type of situation. I just don't think there's any way you can plan out to use a guy like that. And if they, if these guys can't pl- have a plan to, to utilize, there's no point in doing it. And like I said, that just puts a lot of stress. I, like, how are you going to – you're going to take them out to go put them in the bullpen to get loose or whatnot? Like, the, the, there's just so many variables that takes place that I don't think you can really utilize a guy in a, as a relief pitcher that's also a fielder slash hitter at that level. I don't I, – I, that, that would be tough. That would be tough. I mean, if they use him as a pitcher, yeah, then he's probably he probably could be a relief pitcher, closer type of guy, just because he throws hard. Ninety, you know, ninety-five to ninety-seven. He touched ninety-nine, you know, tonight, beginning part of the game. So the the velo is there. Probably a short burst kind of guy to go one or two innings as a relief pitcher. But again, if you're going to draft a guy high, you know, and, and be a number one pick, you're not drafting him to be a relief pitcher. You're drafting him to be a starter at that point. So it's one of those like, how do you evaluate him and what he does best? Is it a pitcher or is it a hitter? Show the the comparisons of Shohei. I think it's unfair. Shohei is doing things we've never seen before. So you can't say, yeah, he's the next Shohei Otani. Well, I, 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 and we had a chance to see it. If Cagliani went six innings and shut down LSU, different conversation probably had right now. But it's different doing it against the best team, one well, of the best offense in the country, LSU, and doing it on in the you know during the regular season at Florida against uh, you know University of South Florida, doing it against uh, even doing it against even doing it against some of the SEC teams. If you go against shutdown Auburn, okay, Auburn, yeah, okay, you had your chance to do it on the biggest show, biggest stage. He didn't look good doing it. So I, I, I don't evaluate Caglione as a pitcher. I think he is, he'll make a lot more money for himself as a hitter because of the power he has. Let's go back to schemes for one minute before we move on. If the Pirates – let's play this out. The Pirates draft him number one. Do you see him pitching in the majors in 2024 at the end, or do you think they should wait until 2025? It, it... – I, I I think they sh- I think he could. I, I, if you're asking me if it's my decision to do so, I think no. I don't think they would do it. I don't right. think I would do it. Right. I, what's the benefit right now? What's the benefit for him? What's the benefit for the team? You know, if you look at it and say hey, Pirates are in a in a race, 
and they th- and they and say, hey, you know what? Skeens probably could be someone that could just step in and, and eat an inning or two in September that really help us co- go into that race and give guys that are you know a little bit more time to to rest up. Okay, give him, get his feet wet in there. Like I said, he's majorly ready. He's, yeah. He is majorly ready. Yeah. But what is the benefit for him to do that? Now he could if he shows up and goes six innings in his first start, just first professional start, six innings in the big leagues, and strikes out 12 hitters and gives up two hits with one run, maybe he doesn't go to the minors at all. Right. But, I mean, at the time, it's, so, it's such a, it's a crapshoot to even think about that and say, yeah, this is what probably you need to do. Could he? I think he could. If you're asking me if I'm the general manager of the Pirates to say, would I do that? No, I wouldn't. I'd no, let him go to the minors, get his feet yeah. wet, in professional baseball, get him get him acclimated to the regime that we, we you know how how you pitch in the professionals. What your keep your routine, but at the same time you have to follow the routine that professionals do. Get used to traveling a little bit differently. Handle the the the, the nuances of professional ball, and then hey, we'll see we'll see you in 2024, 2025, 2025 spring training. You'll be in the big league club uh, from there. We'll send you to AAA for two months, and we'll see you in the big leagues in in. in in uh, June of 2025. And LSU just added two runs in the ninth. It's 16 to four now. Yeah, I think they got their payback. Turn out the lights. Yep. Oh, yeah. You knew it was yeah. coming, right? I mean, these are college kids. These aren't pros. Pros oh, yeah. College they, kids go they, out for revenge and stump, want to stump on your freaking throat. That's what they, they were swarming mad after yesterday, 24. Oh, they were. <laughs> it, it, well, like I said, it, it, you listen to their press conference after the game, and they're like, we already forgot about it. We're ready for tomorrow. See y'all tomorrow. Yeah. I mean, that it's the mindset. Of, again, like, I'm not not to be a homer of it, but it's the LSU mindset. You know, you you've seen we've seen it in the '90s. The you know, the team of the '90s, LSU. Skip Bertman was was just a powerhouse organiz, uh, team that was just built to the 2000s. You know that we were were kind of just there a little bit. But the 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 mo of LSU baseball is back. The, the, the best, and again, my opinion here, take my opinion, but LSU baseball being what they are, they are the big brand of college baseball. LSU baseball is back, and that is scary for the rest of the, uh, for the, rest of the teams in, the, in college baseball because they have the recruiting going. They have the NIL right now. The NIL is big at LSU. They have the NIL money. They spend, I think they said they spent $5 million uh, in NIL. Um, you know, as far as getting getting NIL money for baseball alone, the recruiting is there. The facilities are there. I mean, I'm sure none of y'all have ever been to Alex Box Stadium, the new one. It's better than minor league ballparks. It's much better than minor league ballparks. You play in front of 15,000 fans on a weekend. Uh, we, you know, I, we, I joke with uh, with Alan and Scott on Tuesdays with them at times, jokingly, half-jokingly, but they completely – have more attend, uh, you know, they double the attendance that Oakland A's and Tampa Bay Rays get. Yeah, Tampa Bay Rays are in first place. Yeah, they get more for LSU. LSU, they should move that team out of there. LSU gets more fans than both Tampa Bay and Oakland do on a on a you know weekend series. When you have uh, when you had the Tennessee series this year in in uh, in Baton Rouge. You had fourteen thousand people, standing room only, going at that in a weekend regular season series. Yeah, I mean it, it's it's insane what LSU baseball is and what it means to the state, and, and it means a whole lot more to uh, to the state, you know, for Louisiana than what the Tampa Bay Rays means to Florida. But I digress on that. 
And they said Omaha was like LSU yeah. at yeah. home. There were so it, many LSU fans there. It was, it was crazy. It's 80, oh, yeah. 80%. It's about 80% um, 80% LSU fans even out there right yeah. now, which I don't know. Have you all seen about the, the – I love to put out this real quick. Have you all seen the College World Series Jello Shot Challenge that they got yeah. going on out there? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Have you all seen, have y'all seen what, this, what they have right now? Uh, I know Florida was up when I saw it last. No, 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 no. It was never up. So the the record last year was set by Ole Miss. It was eighteen thousand Jello shots sold in the entire week of college World series. All right, oh, and it, it's a beautiful and it's a great thing that the they, the bar that does it, Rocco's uh, Pizzeria and uh, Bar, they do a great thing. They they sell these Jello shots. They have a contest going. It's five dollars. Uh, it's five dollars. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's actually sixty sixty seven thousand Jello shots now. now? But they put five dollars yellow shot. Oh my so, god! Sounds like my bachelor party. It's insane. LSU had the LSU fans had the one thing. Their one mindset was we're beating the record by Ole Miss before the the first weekend ends, and they <laughs> they broke it on they broke it Tuesday morning. They broke oh, that record God. and they just they just went. So, but it's a great thing that they do it. They, they all the the proceeds, all the money that's uh, that's generated from the gel shots, they donated to the Omaha uh, Food Bank. So oh. LSU LSU fans alone have contributed over thirty three hundred thousand dollars to the Omaha Food Bank. Is that is that eight sixty six for Virginia? Yes, uh, that is eighty sixty seven. Oh, no, sorry, oh, 80, Virginia, 60. eight sixty six. Yeah, oh, put, on your spe- put on your spectacles, Scott. You well, that, that's, that's no, it's West Virginia. They were further turned into West Virginia. You know, LSU had eight times more Jello shots than Virginia fans. <laughs> That's crazy. Oh my god! They brought LSU back every year in the college. Yeah, World I, I told you, Omaha loves LSU being in the College World Series. They love it because all they do is just party, drink, and watch baseball, and they just, and they yeah. love their teams, especially if they're in the finals. Right, like right now, this is the best thing. And LSU just hit a home run too. So even Another better. One? Yep, even better. Let's go. Let's go. <laughs> Jonathan, I wanna I wanna ask you uh real quick. How good is this Ali Dela Cruz guy? Here's a stat for you from ESPN stats. He's the first player in the World Series since 190 uh World Series era since 1903 to record 20 hits, five stolen bases, and three home runs in his first 15 games. Is he the real deal or is it just Nobody's got any tape on him, and that's why he's so good. Or should I, as a Cub fan, be worried about this guy for the next 20 years? So, uh, yes, no, and yes. All right, let me go in that way. He is the real deal. He is is as good as advertised. As as fast as he is, as strong as he is, he's exciting and electric. He is the real deal. Uh, And what he did against the Braves in game one, uh, hitting for the cycle, was uh, uh, tremendous. Now, you saw – now, they – the next question I said, no, in, in essence of is they don't have a lot of tape on him, but the Braves made adjustments to him in game two and three, and he did absolutely nothing against Atlanta, and they pitched to him differently. So now you don't think every team that plays the Reds from here now is going to figure out, hey, we have to follow this formula to try to get him out. He's going to be a little bit undisciplined within it, so maybe we got to change our strategy on how we go attack him. And once you have more teams know how to pitch to you, it's going to be harder. So – is he is he really talented? Yes. Is he a real deal? Yes. Are the teams going to figure him out? Yes. It's on him to make those adjustments. Correct. Correct. And he and I think he's talented enough and he's and he's good enough to make those adjustments. So the next question, I said yes that you should be worried as a Chicago Cubs fan. Absolutely, you should be very worried about Ellie De La Cruz. 
being being a uh, the the phenom of the NL Central and having this team be a potential, you know, being a superstar on this team to maybe interject around him. The team is just, it, it, I mean, the city, the team is just, they were dumped for so long. And all of a sudden this kid comes along and they're, they're winning ball games. Yeah. yeah. And, and you have, you've seen this with guys like that before, where you had Ron Lacuna with the Braves, you had, you know, Michael Harris last year for the Braves. You see these young guys that get called up with a lot of fanfare and excitement. He was the number one prospect. And it's just like, like the, the fan base came alive. And as a player, when you play in a stadium that just you just walk out and you feel the energy and electricity, Ooh, my goodness, that feels amazing. And you think those Reds players didn't realize that, like, they're, they're here because of him? Okay, yeah, it, we like this. We're going to play hard because the fans are here now. Oh, by the way, we played in front of a sellout crowd three straight days against the Braves. We're going to play hard. And, and kudos, that would mean – Brian Snicker said that was one of the hardest series we've had in a long time, not just 2023, but in a long time. Coming from a World Series manager, you know, team that's won five straight division titles on the road to uh, the uh, six straight now, and he had that much praise for the Reds team and, and that much praise for what they've been able to do. That's L.A.D. La Cruz. That is a, and, and not all him, but that's a lot of the energy he has brought, and he shows up and plays hard. How many young guys we see that get called up and they struggle a little bit and just kind of, all right, I'm going to coast here. I'm going to go. That kid plays hard. He plays absolutely hard. He, he, you know, he beat out a ground ball to first base by Jose Abreu against the Astros. That's not supposed to happen, but he did. I mean, so it, it's a lot of fun. And the fan, the team is, is they're rallying around the kid and the fan base is running, rallying around the kid. And they're, they're excited about it. And Cincinnati baseball right now has meaningful baseball. Another team that has meaningful baseball, and I, I want to get your are you how worried you're uh, on on them catching the Braves is the Florida the Miami Marlins now, uh, you know they got the kid who's batting 400 almost. They have this Yuri Perez whose ERA is down to 1.34. His last six uh, six starts, 33 innings, 20 hits, nine walks, 38 strikeouts, 0.27 ERA. Uh, the Marlins. Uh, this was yesterday, forty-five and thirty-four, and have the third best run differential in the National League. How worried are you about the Marlins catching your Braves? I'm not really worried because here's the thing about it: for the Braves, is they're getting healthier here pretty soon. Max Fried had a bullpen session today, and he's going to have another one tomorrow, uh, and, and he's going to get closer and closer as we get to July, which was the timeline. Max Fried going to be back in July, probably after the All Star break is when they were going to bring him back. So when you couldn't, as hot as the as hot as the Marlins have been, in in what they've in kind of ball the ball they've played, the Braves have matched them, and they build their lead. You know, two games here and there, but you've you're building your lead still by having to play hard. Which I'm happy. Hey, Marlins, keep keep winning because that just means my Braves have to keep playing harder as well. But you're doing this with with the Braves are doing it with Bryce Elder, who's a rookie. Yep. Spencer Strider hasn't pitched great. He's pitched well, but he hasn't pitched great. Charlie Morton has pitched well, hasn't pitched great. A.J. smith Shawford gave you a couple starts, decent starts. Mike Soroka gave you a couple starts, decent starts. You, you haven't had consistent pitching in the starting rotation. You're still winning games. The bullpen has been inconsistent at times, and the Braves are still winning games. So if you're the Marlins, you're sitting and go, what do we have to do? To chip away, not just not just to be like to pass the Braves, but to chip their lead. 
and because the Marlins have played well, and they're getting healthy too. Jazz Chisholm came off the uh, IL today, so he's back. He's going to provide a little bit more on the offensive side. But if you're the Marlins, you're like, what do we need to do? We're winning games. We're, we're competitive. We're playing well. But they're playing better than us right now still. So as a Braves fan, I'm not terribly worried because, again, the Braves are getting healthier as well as the Marlins, but the Braves are getting healthier at the right spots. They're getting production from Marcelo Zuna. You're getting production from Ozzy Albies batting two now. Matt Olson is still hitting home runs. Riley's Riley's got to be the one who's got to figure it out a little bit more. Austin Riley, I'm a little bit more, I'm a little bit concerned with with him is inconsistency, but you know what he brings and what he can do. So if he can get it figured out, that team has just got the lineup's just getting better. So there's a lot of question marks that the Braves have answered at times, while the Marlins have been hot and they still have the you know six and a half game lead over the Marlins. So I would be more concerned for the Marlins to sit there and go, we have to figure something out to get get closer to the Braves, more so than I'm sitting here saying, I'm worried about the Marlins catching us. So are the Marlins the best, second best team in that division? I mean, right now they are, but overall, mm-hmm. do you think that at the end of the year they'll be right there and maybe a wild card? Yes, yes. Yep. I, I don't trust the Mets. I don't trust what they're doing. Uh, I, I, they well, they're had holes in the beginning. Every day, more and more every day. So that's yeah. <laughs> They they've had holes in the roster and they they built they, it's the same team as I said to you guys on different shows at different times it's the same team that blew a ten game lead twice. Whew. So how how do you feel confident that you can sit here and say you're going to be that this is the year that you're going to beat Atlanta in the division if you had the same team and you couldn't do it prior? So Mets, I, I they can get hot, they can do it, but. I, I, I just don't have a lot of trust and faith that the Mets are going to be the one to do it. Phillies have been up and down. They, they're offensively they can. I think they could they could they can make a run offensively, but their pitching has been the biggest question mark too throughout this season. The bullpen has just been horrendous. Starting pitching has not been good as well. You know, Aaron Nola had a good start against the Braves the other uh, you know uh, last week, but that was one of the few, few times he has pitched well in in his last few starts too. So. The Marlins are the team that are young, exciting. They they do a lot of things really well. They have power in the areas that they could make. They could score runs. They have some good pitching. Sandy Alcantara has not pitched really all that well either. So you can look and say their ace hasn't pitched great, but we know at some point he's going to. So, that, yeah, the Marlins are the best, second best team in that division. They're going to be in the run for a wild card uh, spot, and they'll be a dangerous team in the postseason in the National League as well. Let, let's, John, let's go to the American League for a minute. And Alan, <laughs> who, who's the biggest you know, Texas Rangers fan on the network, talk about the Texas Rangers. I'm, I'm really concerned. Their bullpen is not doing anything. They blew another game yesterday. I know they have the AL West lead, but their bullpen is holding them back from extending this lead and being better. So talk about the Texas Rangers and how concerned you are overall <clears throat> for them with the, with the constitution of the team right now. As of right now, how the roster is constructed, I'm very concerned with them because again, pitching is pitching matters for a team that you're you're trying to be a contender in the American League with. You're you're trying to contend with again. Look at the teams that are leading right now. As far as like the, in the American League, the number one team, the Tampa Bay Rays, they pitch very well, and they played the Rangers, you know, just a few weeks ago, and the pitching just absolutely it, it took control of that series against the Rangers. Pitching matters, especially against as a playoff team, as a postseason team. You need to have that that arms to be able to go and throw and say, "Hey, we're gonna we're gonna rely on these guys to go and shut these uh, shut, a, uh, shut an offense down." Rangers don't have that. They they have they have kind of been a patchwork when they brought in guys like 
Nathan Avaldi. They brought in guys, uh, you know, like Jake Odorizzi. You, your big signing is gone out for the year in Decrom. You're hoping you were kind of hoping your starting pitching could give you more to let your bullpen at times eat you know eat some innings and go from there, yeah. but that hasn't been the case where they the starting pitching has. Nathan Valdez pitched very well, very surprising. I know you're you're pretty surprised at how well he's pitched uh, this mm-hmm. season, Scott. Mm-hmm. And and but at the same time, your bullpen has not done their job. They have you know in blue leads where you're you're trying to separate yourself from the Astros. You're trying to separate yourself and get a bigger lead and put them away early, separate yourself from the Angels. Angels have been playing well. And your bullpen is, is is really what's preventing that from happening to where you can have control of this division. You don't have control of the division right now if you're the Rangers. And because you don't trust your, your bullpen, they're going to – so and here's the hard part. We said this before a few weeks ago. They're one of the many teams that is going to be looking for bullpen arms at the trade deadline. Yes. Yeah. So yeah. how do you improve it? Well, you're going to have to, and, and I'm sure Alan's not going to want to hear this. If you want to get some <laughs> arms, you want to get some arms, you have to try, probably trade Jack Leiter. You're going to have to trade your future, which yeah. that's a scary thing because your, your, number, your present that you just signed to a big contract is coming off of Tommy John surgery in Jacob DeGrom, where Jack Leiter is the future. But if you need an arm, that you need arms, I'm going to say for the Rangers, you need arms you know, in the bullpen and probably another starter just to kind of get – going to have to trade jack lighter and so if you're the rangers do you really want to go down that road i don't i don't think so so how do you get how do you improve how do you bring in an arm or two to help this bullpen stretch out a little bit more and be able to run run away the division that you're inclined to do so right now when the astros are struggling the angels are you don't really have trust in the angels you're going to have to find ways to get yourself better and i don't know if they're going to have enough to do it to make that move to to improve that team so I'm concerned. I'm very concerned if I'm the Rangers, if I'm a Rangers fan. I'm very concerned if I'm Allen because my team is a first place team is very sketchy at, at best right now. I mean, are they a team? Are they a team that's like looking over their shoulders? Like, was Alice, you must do. Are they a team that's looking over their shoulders? Like, where are the Astros? They got to be coming. LSU Sorry, we just won. won. Ball game, ball, ball game, just won. <laughs> well, this interview just went out the window. No. Right. So, <laughs> so is Texas a team that is like looking over their shoulders, saying, "Where are the Astros? They got to be coming, but they're not coming." I mean, do you, yeah, you well, get that feeling? I, I don't think you have to worry about them. Yeah, right, Scott, I, I don't think the Astros are something you should balk at. You know, at, at the mean? moment, at the moment. <laughs> no, because yeah, yeah. Balk at. nice one. <laughs> Thank you. I was waiting for somebody to catch it. I was like, no, okay, <laughs> cool. Yeah, I, I'm very worried. I, again, because you're looking over your shoulder, the Astros, because they are a World Series. They're the World Series champions. They're the yeah, champions yeah. right now. They're, they've been the best team in the division for God knows how many years right now. So the whole, the whole yeah. So you know to. The old saying to be the best, you gotta beat the best. That doesn't that 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 doesn't end until the season ends in uh in October and you have officially took the title away from them. So the, and they're they're they have played in the biggest games, they have they have come back and made rallies and, and won games when you know to 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 make that run. So I'm not if I'm the Rangers, I'm not I'm not scoffing at them right now saying, hey, you know, it you know. It, We'll worry about them. You know, if they get closer, we'll worry about them. I'm not. I'm. I'm not putting the taking my foot off the gas until you know September 30th or October 1st when the seat until the season ends on the Rangers. I, you can't. You can't do it. And you're still a young team. You're a little naive at times as well. So 
you have to make sure you you play hard and win games when you you need to win games right now because again the Astros as up and down as they've been and, and we've talked about the you know the Dodgers and you have to say the same thing about the Astros that just something's missing about that team they can turn a light switch on and just win five six seven eight games in a row you still get to play them here if more more times throughout the season if you're the Rangers those games can can chip that lead away from you if you don't take it seriously and don't and don't play them seriously. And they could steal that division away if, if very easily. So I'm not turning a blind eye to the Astros. I'm not sitting here saying, "Well, hey, they're not the same team. They're old, and you know we're we're young and exciting. We're fresh. You know we, we got this division wrapped up at the end of June." No, I'm I'm keeping an eye on them all year, just until until the season ends, October first or what or whatnot, until that division title is ours. Would you and think by that the way, the they get crushed offense- at Detroit tonight? They'll, yeah, they're they get crushed. Yourself. Do do you, do you think the best offense in baseball, which is the Rangers, can maybe, I guess, help this bullpen situation that they have? Can you know, let's say Rangers don't make a move the trade deadline, and now you're in an August here, and in in your five games, four games from the Astros, right? You're, you're sitting in front of them. Do yeah. you think this number one office can sustain what they're doing today? Not if your bullpen gives up five runs in the process that you scored four. Not if your bullpen, if your bullpen, if you have a, you know, if you have a small lead and your bullpen gives up five runs, six runs, no, you know, you, your offense can only go so long because you know that you know you're going to have a lull offensively at times. Yeah. It's a long season, 162 games. Your offense yeah. is not going to be on every game, and we and the Rangers saw that for a little bit of a small brief period a few weeks ago where they weren't scoring as many runs. It was kind of kind of a little bit of a slump here and there with some guys. They were able to still win some games because the pitching, the starting pitching, did pitch really well. But you know your offense at times is going to go up and down. It's a roller coaster. It's a marathon. So when you get, you know, when you hit a marathon, you have that stretch where like, okay, I'm going to coast a little bit. That's when the offense is down. And then hey, where that you're 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 kind of a little bit on that downhill trend. I'm going to hit it hard right there, and that's when the offense is up. So when you have that lull, how does your how does your pitching hold up? Yeah. That I don't know. I don't. I I don't trust the Rangers pitching in the bullpen to hold that up when the offense is having their struggles. That's when those the championship teams, you know, really turned on a show. Hey, we have all three phases. We field well. We hit well. We pitch well. When our hitting's not when our hitting is not uh, doing well, our pitching and fielding is going to do good. When we're not fielding well, our hitting is going to take care of it. And our pitching is going to sh- uh, shut it down. When our pitching's not doing well, our hitting is going to take care of it. And our pitching and our fielding is going to do our job. Well. I don't trust that pitching side of the of the Rangers. You're going to hit, but what happens when the hitting doesn't do well? Is that pitching going to do enough to keep you in games? I don't have the confidence in that to say so. So there's moments where they will, the bullpen will just have a good game or a good stretch of games, and you'll win some games because of it. But when, when you have that long stretch of you know two three weeks where maybe the offense has been you, know, you instead of scoring seven eight runs, your offense is scoring two to three runs four runs. Is your pitching going to hold guys, hold teams to where you limit them and still win a four to two, four to three ball game? Hey, the I thing, I'm, wor- oh, ahead, the thing I'm worried about with young teams is this: like Texas, they get in a pennant race. It's late August, early September. The pitching's mm-hmm. not pitching well. They're good offensive teams, and they start pressing at the plate. Like I got to hit a home run here. We got to score, and they and they don't come through. And that's the thing I'm worried about with Texas is Houston's get gets within two games on September first. They start saying, "Uh oh, 
And then they start pressing on offense and they don't score anything and they lose, they blow the, the division because of that. Yeah. And that's where the leadership of Corey Seager and Marcus, Marcus Simeon really come into play for that offense and say, Hey, you know, we don't need you. Know, you don't need to be the hero. You can't. You know, don't try to hit five run home runs. Nobody can. Nobody will. Just right. go and put things together and make sure the offense is clicking. And, and and that's what they've been able to do most of the season is they've been able to just click and be able to hit hard shots and score runs and drive in runs instead of and, and instead of relying on the home run ball. You know, they're they're putting things together. So the leadership of the uh, where you have with the guys, like I said, with Seager, who's played in the World Series and won a World Series. Marcus Simeon's played in big games in his career with, you know, and, and, and been a big leaguer for a very long time, very respected big leaguer who's, who's been a good mainstay in that, in that clubhouse where they kind of just, they, they help and feed that along. And you have to have a manager who knows how to be able to do that as well. And Bruce Bochy kind of keep the young kids under control. And that's what he's been able to do. He's been refreshed in his, in his managerial job where he has to do a little bit more because you don't have that. You know, when he was with the San Francisco Giants, you had a lot of leaders, a lot of leadership, a lot of old, uh, veterans on that group that just knew how to go and play and win ball games. Younger team, not as experienced in the winning side. He has to be able to take, to rein, rein these kids in, and and really make sure that they are focused to the plan of what they're doing, and they have so far. So again, it's a kudos job to Bruce Bochy. He's one of the best managers in baseball. But you have the leadership that in that lineup with Seager and Simeon, kind of keeping things going, keeping clicking, and understanding. You don't have to hit home runs every at bat. If you can get a double and another probably gets a single, guess what? We just scored a run. If you can get another single and another double, we just scored another run. Click and keep things going. Keep the merry-go-round going. And then at some when you get your shot and you hit it deep and you hit a home run, awesome. That's how you keep it going from there. To me, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to piggyback what you said. I think Bruce Bochy is one of the best managers in baseball, which will help the Rangers down uh, in situations they haven't been. And I always say this: sometimes a grand slam is almost worse than you know hitting a two-run a two-run double, because that keeps guys and pressure on. Uh, you know, you hit a grand slam, hey, slate's clean. I just got now bases are empty. I ain't got to worry about nothing. Or the same with a so a home run, right? But if you continue to keep the line moving and keep that pressure on that pitcher, hey, I got to worry about runners now. I got to worry about this. I got to worry about it. It keeps everybody thinking. So I know like the league has shifted to this home run or nothing, but sometimes by God, just a double or a single uh, where you get guys keep going on the, down the line, keeps, uh, keeps things going. I want to speak about Bruce Bo- Bochy real fast. I don't know if you caught, it was two nights back to back, Jonathan. Uh, one was in the Rangers game. He called it the worst call in his, in his entire career about blocking the plate where the guy was clearly not blocking the plate. And then I've seen it. It was like the next night, same similar situation. What's your thought process on this Buster Posey rule here uh, down the line? I mean, I kind of miss the old collision. There was a play at the Cardinals-Cubs game yesterday. I'm like, just run this dude over and uh, call it good. Who cares what happens? I know we're trying to protect him, but that's baseball, baby. Well, you're 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 okay with saying these guys colliding because it's not your money you're paying those guys twenty million dollars and and they get hurt and they're out for a season. That's why the Buster Posey rule came in. Buster Posey is one of the highest paid catchers at the time. Breaks his leg, a season ends, and the Giants fall apart throughout that season. And because their leader was was gone, so if you're looking at it and saying, "Hey, this is you know, we're going to pay these guys top dollar money. We need them healthy." You know, so I, I can I can understand why no more collisions. Now, yeah, this rule here, 
I thought instant replay was brought in to assure the call was correct. They botched this. They absolutely 100% botched this call. And the and it's unfortunate for Bruce Bochy. It's unfortunate for the umpire at hand. The umpire made the correct call. He made the correct call. The runner's out. He gave him a lane. You're supposed to. We taught. We, we you know. You're taught, and I teach my catchers in in the in softball and in baseball. You follow the ball. You cannot be on top of the plate. So if the ball takes you up the line, you have to move your body outside and give them the lane on the inside. Jonah Heim was right there. He gave the lane. He's not on the plate. His foot is on the edge of the plate. So there is a lane to slide in. And the umpire shifts. And you can watch it right here as you're showing the video. He's moving to the inside where he's supposed to be because if the yeah. runner's moving inside, he has to move inside. So he has a lane. If he sees that there's a lane and he's watching it right there, all right, I see the lane. Guess what? He has a lane to slide. Runner's out. We move on. The officiating, you know, the the, the New, York, New York screwed this up. So now Bruce Bochy's coming out to argue with the umpire who made the correct call. What else are you supposed to do if you're the umpire in that case? Well, hey, I didn't. I, I'm. I agree, Bruce. I agree with you. I called him out. It's not my call. New York screwed up. Bruce is yeah. still arguing. Still arguing. Bruce, I made the correct call. Not, not. I didn't change it. Stop arguing with me. You cannot argue. Bruce still argues. All right, now I got to toss you now. It's it's unfortunate on all sides because Dave Martinez. I think it was Dave Martinez of the Nationals. Uh, the next day, he gave the the ump a earful and like laid down. He was laying down on the job. Well, that's a different one in there, and I think there was a little bit of a different story that took place on that one. But, you know, like that's why I said New York was put together. This instant replay system was put together to make sure the calls have been correct. Correct. And I, we have, we've seen more botches with instant replay than we normally have. And it's the, you know, whether it's the home blocking of the plate rule, you know, in that game, in the White Sox-Rangers game, you've had now this obstruction interference rule with a base runner running the first base and they're running on the inside part of the line, and they're moving themselves last minute uh, or last second towards the base to, get in, to be in foul territory, and that's kind of being – like that's debated as obstruction interference. I don't understand where we're we're getting a gray area in the rules all of a sudden. That's, that's the biggest issue right now is where is this gray area where we don't really understand the concept of the rules? It's been the same rules for 150 years. Now we've made tweaks to the home plate rule. Yes, that that's been a tweak, but it's not. There's no gray area. You have to give us lane. You have to give a lane to be able to for the runner in that case. Jonah Heim did. Where's the gray area now? The obstruction at first base rule. You have to be on the line or in foul territory as the moment you're hit. You're towards uh, to, towards first base. And if these guys are running, you know, six inches in fair territory, as they're then starting to cut at last second, well, guess what? I got interference. Where's the gray area? Instant replay was created to eliminate gray areas in the first place. So why are we creating more gray areas in these calls? And it, New York does. New York has no answers to this. And now, and the people who are paying for it are the teams playing, but more, but worse. It's the umpires on the field who make the correct calls. They get the challenge. They send it to New York, and New York overturns the call, which was wrong when they did so. And now the umpires are the ones who are getting the blame for it, and they're the ones getting their ass chewed out by these guys because New York screwed up. So I, I don't, I don't, I don't know how we have completely botched instant replay in Major League Baseball. I mean, we botched it in NFL, so why yeah. not MLB? Yeah, yeah come on. You're not better. <laughs> we'll get, we'll, 
Fair. We'll get you out Fair. on this. What do you Fair. got going on this weekend? As wait, far wait, as the- wait, wait, wait. I oh, want his thoughts ahead. on this one real quick. I want to, I want, I want the balk, the balk. This one the drives balk. me nuts. This is one uh, Sam referenced earlier, by the way, in case yeah. anybody caught it, because I did. Thank you, Tanner. <laughs> You're welcome. I'm clever, but nobody realizes it. Damn it. <laughs> I haven't seen this. I, I saw a little bit about this. I haven't seen what happened in this game, but I heard that Stanek absolutely lost his mind. I'm pretty sure it's the, it's he did. F-bombs. Yeah, he I did. What the F-bombs. is that he he was he he came loose before he stepped off is what they're claiming. Is what I believe they're claiming. So like he was like in motion and then stepping off. It. I don't see. I'm mm. Well, it couldn't happen to a better team, so I don't really care. It's the Astros. So, I, mean, <laughs> I mean, if you call it two guys, can you rewind? Hey, can you rewind that real quick? Rewind yep. it a little bit right before he steps on the rubber. Hang on. So right here, yeah. Ah, uh, I think it's that little leg. Watch his back leg. Watch the back leg. Right knee buckles. Yeah, right. That's exactly what it is. Watch yeah. his right knee. His right knee buckles uh, before he steps off. Right here. Yeah, there that's it. Yeah. yeah, you're right. That's it. Can't do that. Yep. Nope. Can't yeah. do that. So that can't that's a ball. That. that is a ball. Good call. Um, couldn't have to a better team. It used to be my uh, uh, quick pick. Is I, I would get away with it. I there were a couple of times I got caught, but for the most time I'd get away with my quick pick that way. Uh, on that, but yeah, yeah. Then he does this because he so because now so if you watch, so his argument is I do that all the time because yeah. if you watch the pitch, if you watch the pitch he just threw striking out uh, striking out the batter, that right knee does buckle again. Yeah. But the difference was is he set knee buckles and goes. The right. knee buckled right. prior to coming set. Therefore, it is not the same movement he always makes when he is set to go to the plate. So if you do something different. If you're doing something different, those guys are going to notice it, and they called it right there. So that's that's where that ball comes in play, is that because he he makes that knee buckle prior to going to the plate, which that's allowed to do, but he did the knee buckle before coming set. Uncommon movement. That's a balk. Yeah, that's that's right. Yeah, I, I'm with you now. I, I was trying to figure. I didn't pay too much attention. I was trying to figure it out, but yeah. That right the, knee, the right knee buckling. It's like he's he's looks yeah, right like ready to go to the that plate. little flinch. That, that little, little flinch is all it takes. Yeah, yep. So, hey, get, Jack, the rules. You can't do that. We'll, we'll go ahead and get you out on this. Uh, what you got going on? What's Alpha got going on this weekend? And uh, how many championships are bringing home? <laughs> well, I'm gonna tell you this. I'm gonna be uh, uh, doing a show tomorrow night with, uh, with or tomorrow afternoon with Scott, and I get to be on uh, Scott and Alan. I get to uh, celebrate my birthday with them. Tomorrow's my birthday. Alan, if you're listening, it's all LSU all the time tomorrow. Hey. Forget the rest <laughs> of the major leagues. Yeah, it, yeah, it's <laughs> done. It's done. Uh, the birthday yeah, boy gets I, his. Work. I got. I got scotch and champagne. I'm about to start unpopping it pretty soon for the national championship celebration. Um, no, my what birthday song, tomorrow. What song is it going to be playing in the background? Calling Baton Rouge. Oh, okay. Hey, <laughs> only song to celebrate uh, in Baton Rouge. Now. Come on, it's calling Baton Rouge. Hey, nothing wrong with that. 
Nah, Remember but that uh, measured on the Richter scale when he sang it in Baton Rouge. Oh yeah, it did. He said it. They yeah. said it. Yeah, Garth it Brooks measured on the Richter scale. Had a, uh, he, they set off an earthquake. They had 130,000 people in Tiger Stadium for his concert. Amazing. And they were so Absolutely loud when they amazing. played Colin Baton Rouge that he it, it set off an earthquake Richter in the uh, seismic uh, seismograph uh, out, yeah. uh, right next door. Uh, it's yeah. crazy, LSU fan. So uh, but my birthday tomorrow, I'll be on the show with, with Scott and Allen. I will be in Baton Rouge, actually, and on Friday. I drive down to Baton Rouge with my 18U team for a college showcase down there. So we're going to get a little travel a little bit. I get to go home. I get a little home cooking uh, back down and uh, be spending some time in New Orleans as well, coaching in Baton Rouge from there. Um, so I'll be with them. So very fun. I'm going to be wearing my purple and gold and probably partying in Tigerland on uh, uh, Tiger. Tiger games, uh, celebrating the national title, probably get some jealous shots with everybody else out there too. Uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> So we're in action. My 18U is in action next uh, this weekend. My 14U, uh, my younger 14U team, they play. They were off this past weekend. They get to play again this weekend. My 10U team's in action uh, as well. Uh, my 14U baseball team is in action. So a lot of teams, a lot of a lot of you know, going on, a lot of fun been happening. A lot of success. Uh, you know, we, we we're still hitting home runs. We're still hitting bombs left and right every week. I think we've now, I think we're at seven straight weeks. We've had at least one home run. Uh, in five straight weeks, we've hit multiple home runs in a, in a weekend. So uh, Alpha Bomb Squad is really showing up, and we're, we're putting some good numbers together. My 16 team, uh, they bet, you know, we won – we beat two national teams this past weekend, uh, which was a huge accomplishment for us as we're trying to be at that level. We're a small, we're the small organization that just that goes and beats and competes, uh, and we're doing it on a weekly basis. So I'm very proud of what we've been able to achieve this weekend. Uh, finished, a, uh, finished third in, uh, in the Texas Championships uh, with that group. Uh, 18U is getting to play showcase ball this week. I got a girl probably about to commit uh, to a college here in the next couple weeks as well. She's supposed to be on a visit with them. Uh, actually, she's supposed to meet with a coach tomorrow. So I think that she's going to get a, I think she'll get an official offer from them and possibly commit on the spot because it's a school that she's been interested in for a while. Uh, man, just, yes, yes, yes. Bravo. Bravo. I love it, man. I love it. There's been a lot of good things, and, and that's why my, my voice right now. I, I'm I'm doing my best to fight through my voice. It's, it was a hundred hundred and five with 115 heat index yesterday out here, and we we played and battled through that. So I'm I'm a little I'm a little darker. I'm a little I'm a little redder as well. But man, uh, I, I I'm just I, I can tell you guys each week. I'm proud. I'm so happy and proud with these girls and what these kids have been able to do and. Man, there's just more. There's more coming. There's more. There's more growth. We're getting ready for nationals next week. So when I talk to you guys next week, uh, you know, I'll be uh, still be in New Orleans, getting ready to go to Lafayette and, and heading to nationals. And hopefully, uh, hopefully, then the following week, I have a national championship trophy right next to me as well, celebrating with you guys in that conversation. All right, we're looking forward to a man who turns 24 tomorrow. Uh, <laughs> and, you know, in case the MLB is watching, Jonathan, I got you know, I got a lot of you know. Got his uh, whole future ahead of him. He's yes, man, it turns yeah. 24 tomorrow. Future first baseman of the Oakland A's. Give it up for the opposition <laughs> with the happy scopes. Go celebrate that Tigers wins, my man. Definitely, we'll catch you yeah. Hey, I appreciate it as always. Thanks, Jonathan. Appreciate it, Jonathan. That guy's passion is so good. I it's so it. good. I love it. I eat it up every time. So much fun. Hey, let's go ahead and we'll we'll get our parting shots. A man who celebrated his LTS uh, birthday uh, one year on the show uh, on the network, none other than Scott Cobb. We'll start off with you. Happy anniversary, uh, you know, uh, LTS. 
Thank you. A um, couple, th- couple things, quick things. Congratulations, Jonathan, on LSU, first of all. The comments in the in the chat tonight were really, really good. A lot of comments, really, really good. So we appreciate all those. And go to Underdog and play on Underdog. It's 3 or $4 for a fantasy league. Best ball. It, it'll be the best 3 or $4 you ever spent, and you'll enjoy it. You'll enjoy the draft and the process. So Hit those. Give it out those bets again tomorrow, Scott. What did, what did I even say? I got like a bunch of them going. Oh, we got Bra- So I wrote down Braves money line, Texas money line, and is it Twins uh, one one and under? Right? Under under three and a half, uh, three and a half under team total. And, and uh, Tana added that no runs first inning Minnesota Atlanta as well. Right. So. Uh, go ahead, Sam. Uh, say your uh, what's your final thoughts here? Well, I can tell you that not all the comments are great because Carlos is being mean to me again. <laughs> but anyway, uh, I ran across this quote. I get like a famous quote of the day. Uh, it's from a Greek philosopher named uh, Demo- uh, Democritus, I think. Happiness resides not in possessions and not in gold. Happiness dwells in the soul. So I'll leave you with that one. Okay. Yeah, a little history for you. A little Damn history, it. Nick. It's called culture, Nick. It's called culture. And by the way, shout out to Johnny Cruz. Wait, wait, wait. What what are you about to to bash me with? What did you say? Nick's trying to find anything to do, but you're you're giving him no ammo. I I was just going to say, you told me to coach. I was going to say, the guy who hasn't left Nashville, Tennessee his whole life, you know. Yeah, Uh, yeah, shout out to Johnny. Johnny missed the show. He's uh, trying to uh, fix uh, the the cruise mobile. uh, Sounds uh, like a date night to me. So yeah. a whole date night. Yeah, Tanner, go ahead and uh, go ahead and say your final goodbyes, your final thoughts. Guys, I don't get a lot. Wednesday night, sports buffoons coming into play. Thursday, we'll have another round, a couple of guests here. Of course, on the LTS show, getting all that all finalized here tomorrow. And then uh, back here Sunday. And then, you know what, I'm going to leave it up to the guys, see what they want to do for the fourth. If they want to go on Monday, Thursday, they're more than happy to. If not, we'll figure life out and we'll, uh, you know, announce it. Make sure you like, subscribe, follow. Hit the bell in the YouTube, guys. If you hit the bell on the YouTube, you know when we're live. That's the thing here for next week, especially. So ring a ding ding out, and we'll be, you know, we'll, we'll be around. We're always around. Oh, shit, I forgot. We've been telling Jim and John we're we were going to be told Jim already. I actually Tanner, Tanner we got a three game series coming up. Your our teams do. Yeah, so we're probably won't do a Monday show. We'll do a yeah, Sunday, just, this Sunday, and a Thursday show. That's fine. I, Sam, don't Royals just take to it. Two games from the Tampa Bay Rays, baby. Bring on the Guardians. Yeah. Go. Don't, don't hurt yourself. Uh, <laughs> I don't I want you to stay in shape. And before Nick goes, poor Allen, he made a bet with Keith Angle and lost another bet. Oh, so he's got to wear a Yankees cap. Yeah, I retweeted that picture. I, I retweeted it right away. I had no problems he, with it. He has no luck at making <laughs> bets. He loses every one of them. God well, he's, he's the perfect person in the world. He's a, a Yankees fan slash Cowboys Eagles fan. And just, you know, I'm sure he's a Alabama, <laughs> Alabama Lakers fan too. Nom, 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 nom. <laughs> this is delicious. Look at it. Look at it. Drink it up. <laughs> I forgot to bring that up earlier. <laughs> Look at it. <laughs> Oh, oh man! All, All right, right. Nick, you got any fancy words, here, guys? Yeah, uh, I just—I mean, I, I truly do love doing oh, this. Yeah, my bad. Nick's uh, final thoughts. <laughs> yeah, let me get my final thoughts in. Wow, as a host as well, let me get my wow. final. Wow, wow, final thoughts all show, dude. Wow, yeah. Tanner. Um, I 
I, I truly love this show. I, I love doing this. Uh, sometimes in life, I felt like I'm not good at a lot of things, but I've always felt like talking sports and having fun is the one thing I've always been good at. Um, man, I don't know what to say. Uh, this weekend is uh, addiction, man. Uh, I've had a lot, not myself, but family member. Uh, you know, my dad has, has suffered with addiction uh, my whole life, and um, it, it's, it, it reared its ugly head again this weekend. And sometimes in life, you the people who are affected by not the people who are addicted, but uh, the ones that uh, that they affect affects us all in different ways. And sometimes you have to say goodbye to the ones that you love, even though that they're living, because you have to save the ones that you love from that uh, addiction. And uh, it's been it's been heavy on my mind uh, this weekend uh, because uh, it reared its head this weekend. And um but being here for two hours with you guys and then on Sunday for the hours, uh, it, it's it's my mental vacation. And uh, I thank you guys for that enough. I can't thank you guys that enough. And, um, you know, doing this makes everything OK and know that, uh, you know, I, I love this. And, you know, um, this is where I'm supposed to be at and doing what I'm supposed to be doing and makes the real life real world not so uh, so bad sometimes. So. Uh, that's it for my uh, final thoughts. We'll be back That'd Wednesday be night. Nick, that's for sure. Nick, I we'll love be... you, bud. That yeah. wow. We'll be back. Yeah, look at him. We'll be back Wednesday night, eight o'clock Central Time Zone. Uh, so we'll Thursday see you night. then. Thursday night, guys. We'll oh, see Thursday you. night. Sorry, we're in LTS. LTS show. Be a friend. Tell me Wednesday night if you need me. Thursday night, LTS show, 8 o'clock Central, 9 o'clock Eastern, two hours. We'll have some new guests lined up as well. Uh, Join us. Be a friend. Tell a friend. We'll see you then, folks. Ring my bell. One life better pop off with the you like. Make a dream job. No nine five, no mean boss. Just my life and free thoughts. You could try to play, but you're never gonna be me. Look the other way, what I'm doing ain't easy. Bloody hands stain from the people who deceive me. Bloody hands break through the chains, go free me. People like sheep move feet, hurt it easy. Don't wanna be fast asleep when they see me Better stay tall, ready for a fight, believe me When they try to change, you can say no, free me